welcome to the Negative World Podcast, the podcast about video games for the Nintendo fans at negativeworld.org. This is episode 58, and we're recording this on Wednesday, January 15th, 2014. I'm your host, Steven, and I'm joined by my joined by my co-host, Joe. Hello. I said that like joined. How's it right. going, Joe? You mixed uh, the words. That's okay. Joined. Like I joined. What's going on? <laughs> Now, that other voice you hear is our uh, first guest of 2014. Uh, you might recognize him. It's Andrew. Andrew, that's me. Yeah. And it feels awkward to omit the, the usernames, but I feel like that's so much to say in the intro all the time. So from True. now on, we're just going to – you should know us. And if you don't, come to Negative World and check us out and talk to us and everybody else who's there. So Yeah. Um, plus, I'm pretty sure we'll still keep it in the show notes. It's a whole really new wanna. look for 2014. Yep. Slim down uh, version. We're only going to say like half the name of all the games. We're trying to <laughs> yeah. just cut down the verbiage. Yep. This is coming from the guy who always tries to get it to a two-hour podcast and never succeeds. Nope. So, anyway, guys, how are you guys doing? I'm doing just fine. Have also good. good. You guys have a good holiday and all that? It was stressful, but good at the same time. Yeah, that one. I think that means, uh, you know, it's it's doing it right. I think that's how holidays tend to be, right? At least this t- this time of year, you know. Um, I guess so. I remember many years when holidays were <laughs> awesome, but then <laughs> you grow up, right? And... Right. Yeah. Touche. I mean, one of my favorite holiday memories was uh, getting my N sixty four, and I remember that being very stress free. <laughs> so compared to you know this one, which was organizing family stuff and not wanting to do certain things, but having to out of obligation to the social contract, <laughs> I um, do enjoy the uh, maturity somewhat that I have now. Where when I get a game Christmas morning, I don't then spend the rest of the day trying to figure out how to get away from my family to play that game. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> you just you just go do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, no. I just say to myself, I can play it tomorrow. So in other words, you spend more time playing it and not trying to figure out how to play it. You just know. Kind of, yeah. Well, Where you've got like a football play secretly hidden in your pocket and it shows you the route you're going to you know, dodge all your family members just so you can sneak away. No. no. Or if Grant was here, he'd say, well, just get a 3DS and then you just, you know, turn your back. <laughs> but, no. uh, although some could argue you just take your Wii U and find an outlet and turn your back. Because you don't That's need a true. TV. So. That's true. Um, anyway, well, before we jump in, I wanted to ask you guys, uh, I presume we all got something Nintendo or video game related for Christmas, or whether we bought it ourselves or received it as a gift. So what was like your number one gaming gift this year? Andrew, you first. Well, I did not get any gaming related gifts. I don't actually... Nothing at all. <laughs> you just I don't actually... Ruin the segment. Not even a Mario sticker. Well, let me let me finish. I don't set. actually get many gifts. Period. Like my family's huge, and because it's huge, everyone just kind of stops giving gifts to each other after right. a while, or else it would be nuts. <laughs> so I got like a gift card, like a it's the kind of like a check card, so you could use it anywhere. So I got that from my parents, and then the one surprise gift, which is the only other gift I've gotten so far, is. I got the Darkwing Duck Volume 2 from my brother-in-law. 
So that's huh? been fun. Not that's... game related exactly, but it's still Good kind gift. of like fun, cartoon, nerdy, right. whatever. Okay. And I know that my girlfriend, I don't know exactly what she got me, but I'm pretty sure it's a video game t-shirt. So we'll see. And that's because, you know, she's not currently in the same town as you. Like, well, she, she is. We're just really slow. Oh. Like, because our holidays were so busy, we were like, let's just do Christmas like a month later. Okay. Okay. And so, sure. so it's, it's, it's been ordered. It's on the way. And I just gave her oh, her gift, um, last weekend. So okay. we're well, a bit behind. Well, fair enough. Uh, Joe. Um, <clears throat> I got a little thing called. I don't know if I'm saying this right. We you? I don't know if that's. It's a little awkward to pronounce, and I I thought it was actually an upgrade to the original Wii that I had, but turns out it's a whole new system. And uh, yeah, so that's what uh, you didn't get my that wife Christmas and I. Day. You got that a little bit before because we talked right. about it in the last podcast, didn't we? Right. Yeah. So, but that well, so then I got some games ah, okay. to go along with it for the Christmas. So. Okay. So what was your, what was so your favorite was, one that you got? Well, so basically it was a uh, Monster Hunter and then that's sort of like my pick and then uh and then a little bit later we did, did the uh We Fit You purchase. Okay. So. All right. Yeah, for me um yeah, I'm trying to think of I got uh I actually well, yeah, I don't know. I didn't get too much gaming stuff. But the the coolest thing I gotta say, and I'll just be brief, is I got a Tetris lamp from uh, oh, what it's one of those geeky websites. I put it on like, like my what is it? Think Geek. Yeah, I think that's where it's from. And uh, it's it's a lamp that the the base is a long four you know four square blue piece, and then the rest are just the other pieces uh, that you'd find in a Tetris board, and you can put them in any way you want as long as they're touching the, the you know, the piece that's plugged in. Mm. And that's because there's a small, like a thin metal frame around each piece, and that's conductive. So it sends electricity to each lamp as you go. So if I take off the red L piece right now, it goes out. And then I can rearrange it however I want. And it's pretty sweet. And I want to buy more because I'm pretty sure they'll just continue to build on each other. That is amazing. So that is pretty cool. And actually... The other night, I was trying to catch up on some Doctor Who, and uh, and for once, I actually just, like, it was like 8 o'clock, and I was like, I'm just going to do nothing else, no video games, no nothing, let's just focus. I hopped in bed, put an episode on, and I just had this lamp on with it, just because I had left it on, but it was so calming, and it, and it really is a calming light coming from it, that I, I lulled myself to sleep, like a little bit. Nice. It was really nice, nice yeah. I was cool. com- I, more comfortable than I've been in a long time, just there, you know? So that was cool. If, I definitely recommend it. If you like take off pieces, does that also sort of act as like a dimmer, if you will? Yeah, totally could. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. And nice. I, I've never left it like that, but uh, that's a great point actually. Because um, if I was hit the lights right now and just let it be the uh, the only thing shining, but you take half of it away, it's going to reduce the light for sure. Because that would be awesome. Because sometimes, like, I come in, I go to bed after Amy and turn on a light and it's too bright and i wish i had like a variable light you know mm-hmm. so something like that might well, you be could just uh, put some like wax paper in front of your wii if you got like a notification from nintendo because uh you know you could just adjust <laughs> how bright that stupid light is coming from the wii uh, that's like okay. the one good thing that came out of spot pass or not spot pass but um 
Wii Connect 24 being done now. Right. If you keep your Wii connected, there's no more chances of that happening. <laughs> right, right. The, the funny thing is I kind of live out of a single bedroom right now, so everything I own is in my room. And when I turn the lights off at night, I have about 15 little little lights. <laughs> like my phone charger, my different systems, my computer, just... It's annoying. You should put them in a way that makes like a constellation on your wall or something. And just have a wall of gadgets and then... It'd be kind of cool. But uh, anyway, without further ado, let's jump in because we, we have been playing a lot of games, guys. I'm, I'm pretty happy to hear about all the different games we've been playing. We've got a lot of variety. We've all got, you know, multiple to talk about. So what do you say we jump in? Let's do it. Sounds good. All right. As usual, the guest will go first. Uh, Andrew, um, start us off. Okay, um, the game, I guess I'll just start with the one that's freshest, which is the one I've been playing a lot for the last week, which is I finally started Zelda Link Between Worlds. And. Congratulations. Yeah, it's, I, I do, I do deserve congratulations when I finally get around to a game nowadays. I'm still sitting on so many of them. So did you pay full price for it? No, I did I not. I didn't think you would. I, I do not pay full price for video games. Andrew, yeah, he, he almost to a fault always finds the deal and never pays full price for a game. That's Just, pretty awesome, though. No, it is. I, I don't have the patience in a lot of ways for that. But Where did the you only, get this deal? Um, I'm trying to, trying to remember. It's probably like a buy one, get one half off or something. There's always buy one, get one half off deals or buy two, get one free. And that's where I pick up a lot of the stuff that doesn't go on sale like naturally. Yeah. On its own, but the only the only exception is eShop. I buy stuff full price just because it's hard to find deals. Yeah, you have to get a uh, a discount on a card like they had over the holidays. Just I did discount, you know. I did buy like a hundred fifty dollars of eShop cards when they were on sale. No, that's a smart thing. I bought them. I bought some as gifts, like ninety bucks worth as gifts, but I didn't buy a single one for myself. Probably should have. Yeah. So, Link Between Worlds, like, uh, Link to the Past is one of my favorite games ever. Like, it's my favorite Zelda game, probably one of my top three games of all time. So, it's uh, playing a sequel, like a kind of a direct sequel to that. It's kind of like I'm a little more critical, but I'm also more just open to nostalgia and, you know, stuff like that. You know, did you ever suspect you'd be playing a sequel to that game? No, and the weird thing is, even though it's like so obviously a sequel to it, it still doesn't like. If someone says to me the sequel to Link to the Past, I'd probably still be. Like, is there a sequel? Oh yeah. yeah, right, yeah. They really don't connect that that significantly. I don't think, except for the overworld. The overworld, yeah, that's the main the main connection. Um, I think they did a very good job, and the interesting thing is the things that hold it back from being as good as Link to the Past to me aren't the things that I thought it would be. Like I. I was worried that like the tone and just the sort of overall feel and stuff was not going to like be linked to the past ish, but like, especially the music is awesome. It, it remixes a lot of the old link to the past music, which is really cool. And the graphic style, it's not exactly my favorite, but I think it fits and it fits the world. And so like the whole, like it feels to me like a, a sequel to link to the past, which I, I didn't expect it to. Where I do think it maybe falls a little short for me is that 
And I know this is nostalgia speaking because I know Link to the Past wasn't perfect, but I feel like a lot of the dungeons are kind of a little too simplistic for me, especially after some of the crazy stuff that's been in some of the newer Zelda games where you're like climbing on walls. I mean, you do climb on walls in this game, but you know, a lot of the stuff that was introduced, all the new items in more recent Zelda games, this one kind of goes back to a lot of familiar items. You know, a lot of familiar gameplay mechanics. I think that obviously the the new big thing is turning into a painting and walking along the walls, which that I think is very well done. The way they use that in the dungeons and in the overworld, it's it's a new mechanic that really is one of the best Zelda mechanics ever, I think. (laughs) Yeah, I would love to see it return in, in future games. I mean, I'm not sure how they would link them per se, but it would be really cool. They'd have to make a a third link to the the past game. <laughs> but I mean, I could see like a Skyward Sword type game using it. It doesn't have to be in 3D because obviously you're you're removing a dimension, so it clearly doesn't need to to use the uh, stereoscopic 3D. But uh, I mean, it maybe it wouldn't look right if you were playing a Twilight Princess styled game. But yeah, I think Skyward Sword or another game like this. Uh, well, I mean, not to digress exactly, but would you want to see a new Zelda game with this art style still on the 3DS, like the next one? Well, the art style, I don't know, like the art style kind of to me is just like it works, but it's it's not really that exciting to me. But some of the mechanics I would like to see return. It's weird, though, because the whole like walking on the walls thing is like obviously cool, but it's also so specific to like this story, like you were turned into a painting and, but you had, I forget exactly what happens, but for some reason you were able to walk on the walls and pop off. Oh, it's because so he's, I mean, this isn't really too big of a spoiler. It happens early on, but he happens to get a bracelet from somebody. I forget who. And that just happens to be the one thing that keeps you from staying a painting. Yeah. So I think that's like the mechanics and stuff. It would be cool to see return, but I just, I don't see how they would do that. You know, it's, like, so specific to this game and the story and everything. Yeah. I guess they would but have to I, do something kind of related to this game. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. But I do, I do like... I like the... I think I think I have a weird, like, love-hate relationship with some of the mechanics in this game. Like, there's things that I simultaneously think are better and worse than Zelda staples at the same time. Like, I like how open it is and how you could go anywhere. And you could, I mean, not at first, but eventually you could start doing the dungeons in any order you want and just kind of, you know, because you now rent items or, you know, you could rent the items whenever you want. So there's no order you have to do the dungeons and you don't have to go get an item in one dungeon to do the next dungeon. And so that's cool. But at the same time, to me, it kind of feels like there's no difficulty progression. Like every time I get to a new dungeon... It doesn't feel like it's like a step up from the last one. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, it's another dungeon. Well, what happened with me was uh, I I'd said on the last podcast how you can pretty much easily get enough rupees to buy all the items. And then uh, when you die, you know, you have to re-rent or to rent the items. And yet when you die, you have to re-rent the items. And I did that. And I said that there was enough rupees to go around. Eventually, though, when I got into the low rule, uh, there was a point where I would die often enough to where I didn't have enough to rent those things, and that was a little frustrating, difficulty-wise. It was one one or two specific parts. It wasn't like the whole game was challenging. 
But then after I got past those couple parts, I was able to just survive for the rest of the game without even perishing once, and so rupees became plentiful again, and then once I bought the items, yeah, the difficulty doesn't even um, really register that much. Uh, the bosses, I think, are, are fun, but only one or two of them, I think, was overly tricky. Uh, I mean, yeah. I don't want to talk too far into the game, because uh, Joe hasn't gotten too far yet, but... I mean, one thing I do like, though, is that they, like, enemies take off one or multiple hearts again. Yeah. It's not like the whole, oh, you're losing a quarter heart or whatever, and then you're just nearly invincible. Like, you can actually die pretty fast if you don't watch yourself, just because you could lose hearts pretty fast. Yeah, I was in an unfortunate Cyclops sandwich, and uh, pretty much, like, I had, I think, this is around the time I had, like, 14 hearts, and... I got kicked down to, like, two hearts really quickly because, you know, they'd throw bombs at alternate times and I couldn't escape because I kept getting hit or whatever. And uh, it, it was surprising, but it's nice. That's the kind of challenge Zelda needs. Yeah. So, so I, I, I do think it's a great game. Like, I definitely recommend it to everyone. And I actually think it's a worthy successor to Link to the Past, although it's not going to be up there in my top, like, three games or anything. But... There are a couple of things that hold it back for me, but I haven't finished it yet. So, you know, the last, actually, the last dungeon I went to was a little more clever than the ones before and a little more challenging. So, you know, maybe there's still going to be some challenge ahead. So we'll see. I, I still have, I think, yeah. one or two more dungeons left. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'd say stick with it. Um, I think the, yeah, I, I, I 100%ed it and uh, did that over the holiday. So that was fun. And uh, the final gauntlet, so to speak, uh, again, it kind of fits in what you're saying. You know, it's it's not overly spectacular but or overly challenging, but it is fun, and it is uh, challenging to a point. And the, and the final, you know, enemy gauntlet or the boss, not, not to say that it's, you know, one specific thing, but uh, I thought that was challenging and unique enough to, to warrant a special place in the, in the series. So I think you have some stuff to, to look forward to. Now, now, without spoiling it, it, is it really worth it to get all hundred of those little, like, snail creature thingies? Uh, well, I'm trying Cause to Because I doubt I'm going to, but if there's something really cool... Yeah, I did, I... you know, I got, I was ready to go into the final area, the final dungeon, so to speak, and I did stop to go find every one of those Mai Mai's again, and uh, for the first 90, they assist you with your weaponry, we'll say that, but... Um, it really, it, in the end, it really doesn't affect that much. It depends on what weapons you're using more. And yeah. by that point, by the time I was actually collecting enough to, to affect all my weaponry, um, things like the, uh, the spinner, the blow, uh, whatever that thing's called, you know, where it makes you fly up shortly. Um, it's one of the earliest items you get, but, uh, you know, I didn't need that to be a bigger, uh, like a bigger batter weapon or anything. I didn't yeah. need that to see some sort of upgrade. So. It really, they, they really don't, but what you get for 100, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly what that is. Even then, I don't want to say it per se, but I think I remember liking that. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. We'll see. It it I mean, if, if you're good enough at the game, you wouldn't need the upgrades that my Mai's can provide you. But uh, I don't think they were overly hard to find either because you can hear them and you can mark the ones you can't get while you're in the middle of your journey. Uh, you can mark them with your, your map pins and stuff like that. So. I didn't even know there were math pins, but um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll yeah. see where I'm at. We'll see if I, I have so much I want to get to, though. So I feel like I don't 
have the time to get like hundred percent in every game nowadays. Sure. I'm just gonna miss out a lot. Okay, well if that's the if that's the criteria, then yeah, you probably won't. Uh, you know, no one's gonna make fun of you in a in a thread or something for not doing that. You know, just beat the game, get as many heart pieces and stuff as you feel you need. You know, to do it or whatever. Uh, there's a couple. There's like three, maybe four. So one whole heart piece that's just annoying. If you there's a, just a few of these challenges that are just annoying, but they're doable. And uh, so I don't know, it's yeah. each their own. I I'm like oddly okay with not hundred percenting game. I, well, I guess I never really hundred percented much, but nowadays I'm especially okay with just being like I got what I got out of it. Time to move on. Yeah, yeah. I don't really much, but uh, I did beat a hundred percent this and Mario World or 3D World. But um, but yeah, I I just was on a roll, so I just said what the hell. It wasn't too hard to to go through and get everything in this one. Speaking of which, segue time. My oh, really? second game is Super Mario 3D World on the, wow, on it's the Wii U. Like I knew that. <laughs> it's, it, even if you didn't know it, you probably knew it because uh, that's what almost everyone with a Wii U is playing right now. But true, it's really good. I think it's. I feel like I'm such a downer because, like, even though I really love these games, I always think of, like, the things I don't like to talk about first. Well, I tend to think of the things that I do like, so you help even me out then. I'm not, well, I'm not as critical as I probably should be on some well, things. Well, I'm going to get to the things I like as well, too, but I think the the thing that held it back for me maybe a little bit next to Galaxy Games is it feels a, a little, like, limited in scope. There's so many creative ideas, but I guess it feels like they don't take them to the next level. All the time. Although that's not always true. There's definitely a couple of stages that really like take their ideas and run that, with though. them. I mean, again, having 100%ed it, and I that means with every character. I mean, I'm actually burnt out on the damn thing now, unfortunately. But uh, I can agree with that. Uh, maybe maybe a sequel would, would do it, but Galaxy didn't need Galaxy 2 to show us all the creativity that it had packed in it, even though that expansion or... Uh, not that I call it an expansion, but you know that expansion of ideas was was awesome. Uh, this is the second game in the series, and it still feels like they're not tapping into the full potential. I I actually feel like some people will disagree, but I actually feel like a lot of that just has to do with the fact that because there's time limits, they have to build these levels to be so short and like quick to get through. That makes sense. You know, because like, I always feel like I've gotten to the point where like. If there was just like one more section that like took all the ideas in the stage to the next level, like that would do it for me. But you're at the flagpole, you know, you're done. So, but no, I, I do really like it though. The cat suit's one of the greatest power ups in Mario ever. <laughs> I like that we finally have a four player 3D Mario. I think there might have been some mode in like the DS game or something that was multiplayer, but I never played that. But it is actually fun playing multiplayer. I haven't had a chance to all that much yet, but I played with my two cousins for a while, and it almost becomes... It's definitely almost a harder game. I was playing one of the harder stages, too, one of the really late stages, and it's a little bit harder, but it's it's kind of fun just because it gets so crazy. And, like, it was one... Of, we, we played one of those stages where you could get, like, the little cannon on your head, Mm-hmm. that shoots mm-hmm. out cannons and of course we're all trying to shoot each other the whole time we're also like j- jumping on platforms going to the stage and it got really nuts yeah and so uh, there's there's not a friendly fire uh option so you do uh or maybe i'm using the term backwards but you do you do get hit by your friends you know uh yeah 
cannonballs, and that that can be frustrating or challenging, you know, depending on how you look at it. And so, yeah, that that was fun. Although I do kind of wish there was like a sort of mode specifically made to battle each other because you could do the whole go for the crown thing or go for points. But I wish there was something more like the coin battle in the in the new Super Mario games where like there's just coins everywhere and you're fighting each other and you know stuff like that. I, I remember you mentioning that on the thread. And I agree with you for a coin battle thing. That would be pretty cool. I mean, there's a point battle, which you kind of alluded to. You get a crown if you earn the most points in a level versus the rest of the players. But uh, a coin battle would be much more specific and and less about, like, just happening to have collected this or collected that. You don't really know. But to actually be able to see your coins go up or down, depending on how you attack people or how fast you ran here, I think would add a lot more fun to it. Yeah, because it's been so long since people cared about points in Mario that, like, I don't know what gives you how many points. Like, yeah. points are so nebulous to me. And I actually got frustrated because, like, my girlfriend and I were playing, or even my sister and I were playing, and I would typically get the crown. Again, I'm the seasoned veteran of Nintendo over here. Uh, and plus, I had been playing the game for so long anyway, but I just would tend to get that crown. I didn't want the crown. It was a stupid symbol that I didn't care for. You know, my girlfriend, she thought it was cute. She wanted it. So I'd let her hit me so she could take it. But then at the end of every level, I would get more points, even if it was subtly just by a few. And then I'd get the crown. And even if you took the crown away, just the fact that every level's got to remind you, like, oh, yeah, they did better than you or you did better than Mm -hmm. them. I wish I could have just turned it off. Do we need to have that that reminder every time? We're not competing. We're just playing, enjoying ourselves. Yeah, there's that, too, because uh, I was playing a little bit with my girlfriend and it's much different playing with her than my cousins. With my cousins, we naturally just, we call it Chicago style or Anand calls it griefing. Like uh-huh. we naturally just go nuts on each other and screw with each other. And like, that's where some of the fun comes from. But when I'm playing with my girlfriend, it's, it's the opposite. Like we're trying to help each other out. We're just trying to get through it together. So yeah, yeah can, I didn't really need the whole competitive aspect in, in that. Right, it would have been nice to turn it off. You can work together the the whole level, you know, finding the stamp together, finding the stars together, and then at the end, it still has to judge you and see who is actually the better person. So it's subtle and it's all mental and it's it doesn't really matter in the end, but I wish it just could have been turned off. I don't know. Yeah, and it, it, it made me actually play a little differently, too, because I'd try to let her get stuff that would get points. It, it still ended up I'd usually win win most levels, though. So. Right. But, well, um, I'm not going to lie. I did the same thing, just just subconsciously, to just so we were kind of evened out, you know? Just yeah. so she didn't, you know, I don't want her playing the game thinking, oh, yeah, I, I suck at this, but I'm doing it because he wants to or something. I mean, she was having fun, but then the fact that, oh, you're always second. You know, it just seems like a weird bashing of some kind. An unintentional yeah. bashing. I mean, not to make this bigger than it really is, but... No, I know exactly what you mean, though. As someone who finished second to the old man from Zelda almost every stage, I can completely agree. <laughs> right, you know, and, and it's not like you're a bad <laughs> player or, or that you're not having fun, but it's just it's just weird to see that. Well, and, yeah, and for me, like, I didn't, I don't like to play competitive, so I wasn't going to try to even make sure that that didn't happen or anything. It was just, yeah, you, you know, I'd play this stage the way I normally would play any Mario game. And then I wasn't even thinking about it. And then come the end of the stage. And as it'd be just, as you said, there'd be this like unnecessary reminder of like, yep, you didn't do as well. Yeah. But yeah, still though, it's a good game. It's probably, 
I don't have a list of my favorite Mario games offhand, but it's probably not quite in the top tier for me, but it's definitely like higher second tier. Yeah. Whatever that would mean, like behind the Galaxy games and Mario Three and some of the the really my favorites. But. Yeah, it's it's tough for me to rank them too, but I definitely where I can easily say that I think A Link Between Worlds is my favorite Zelda, like top down Zelda right now, which is kind of I know a, a crazy thing to, to exclaim, but that's how I feel right now. I definitely don't feel that with Mario Three D World, even though I think it's an incredible game too. It's like a weird mishmash of of that it's hard to to place it i think another thing too what someone what someone else pointed out on on the forums and i hadn't thought about but once they said it it like totally clicked with me is like it doesn't seem to have much of its own identity it's kind of like taking elements from lots of past mario games but you know 20 years from now it's going to be except for maybe cat suit it's going to be hard to remember like, the environments, for instance, are all kind of a mishmash of old Mario games. There's the ghost environments, and there's, like, the the space environment and just different stuff. And it's like, it's like what what are the unique environments in this game, if there are any? You know, like, what's... I don't know, that, that's like a whole other topic in itself, too. Um, I guess what I would just say is, I have a hard time feeling that way about a lot of recent games because it's so ingrained like the first time i saw this you know asset or this style of thing was in mario 3 or mario world um galaxy of course that series did something so you know incredibly different for the time that that sticks in my head too but you're right 3d land was the same way i couldn't tell you a single level in 3d land but i can tell you some in mario galaxy Mm. so yeah but no i do like it a lot and it's. I feel the same way I think about this and Zelda. They're like both really good games that just aren't quite up with my favorite games. There's something holding both of them back. With that said, I'll move on to my third game, and I don't have to talk about this one too much. Uh, NES Remix I picked up. It's the game that's basically just a bunch of little challenges from old, really old NES games. So there's challenges from Super Mario Brothers, Excite Bike, Ice Climber, which I really hate. Um, <laughs> so this didn't change that. No, I think this solidified my hatred of Ice Climber. Yeah, someone on the forums said pretty much the opposite that by doing this little menial task and as a challenge and then having that grow upon itself almost gave them an appreciation that they never had before. And well, yet I totally would understand where you're coming from because Ice Climbers to me is putrid. I will acknowledge that some people have legitimate reasons for liking it, but the jumping is just so bad. I don't, I know, I get that it's supposed to be more of a vertical game than a horizontal game, but you have almost no horizontal jump, no matter how fast you're running. So to you, there'll be like a little gap and you'll just, oh, I'll just run and jump over that. It's like, nope, you jump straight up and fall straight back down and go in the hole and die. It'd be kind of cool if this had been more like, and again, this is as someone who hasn't played um, any of this NES remix, but if it was more like Super Mario Remix, that that Flash game, I think it's called Super Mario Remix, where you can play like the original Mario Brothers as like Mega Man and all of these other characters from the NES era. Like if they maybe put other like the Ice Climbers levels, but then let you play as Mario. Like there, there is cool. a little bit of that in this. There's, there's basically two kinds of remixes in this. There's challenges that 
pull from the game exactly the way it was, but you're just doing like a little chunk of it or, you know, kill 10 Goombas in the first stage in Mario and, and the, the stage is the same as it was. It's just a challenge within that. But then there's also like the remix, the remix where they'll do stuff like that. There's one stage where you're, you're Link and you have to get to the top of a Donkey Kong stage or things like that. So they do a little bit of that as well. Um, I, I think it's a fun game. I think really the biggest complaint I have about it is that a lot of the games they pulled from just aren't that good. So it's like there's only so much you could do to make Ice Climber interesting, even if you're doing this kind of remix style or a Wrecking Crew or I don't know. There's a lot of golf. There's a lot of these games that they just weren't that great of games. Sure. And the weird thing is there's so many good NES games that aren't in here that it's like either they're planning a sequel or they just skipped them for some reason. I don't know why. There's no Metroid. There's no uh, Zelda 2. There's no Mario 2 or 3. Well, yeah. I think if they don't do a sequel, then what it came from is just this weird belief that these are the classics. I mean, these are some of the... Like Ice Climbers, I think, wasn't that either included in the Smash Brothers disc or animal crossing back in the day i know it was at least a like a trial thing on smash brothers okay. and i do get that they have the characters in there too so that does make sense yeah. but i feel like it you know that and wrecking crew one of these games that nintendo just believes was such a huge classic or that it's a classic that's relevant today uh and yet they should be smart enough to know that metroid would be obviously a, a much more specific choice but i feel like there's some of these that they just love so much well, just... I I think, and I would have to go check actual dates and stuff, but I think they might have just picked, like, all the first NES games they released. Because it seems like these are the, all the really old ones. Like, the ones that launched with the system or were out within, like, a year or two. Like, they just stuck with all of their early, early NES games. That's what it seems to me. So, if that's true, then maybe they're just trying to go for, like, you know, this is our history, this is where we started that kind of message, but I think it sort of gets in the way of a fun game. Yeah. All right. Well, so name, name off a couple of things that you're, that you're talking about. Wrecking crew, uh, wrecking, wrecking crew, crew, ice climber, ice climber golf. golf, urban champion, pinball, Mario brothers, Mario brothers, Zelda, Zelda might be one of the newer games in there. I'm not sure. Donkey Kong, uh, the original Mario brothers, I mean, Gee, I, I don't at, know what else. Baseball, Excite Bike. Looking the, at a vague list right now that does seem to fit the MO. I mean, obviously not exactly, but uh, but yet Metroid, I think, is. You know what? No, Metroid would have been possibly after, after the limit. So yeah, there is no Kid Icarus, right? No, no Kid Icarus. Although you know what, Legend of Zelda. Well, again, I'm looking at American dates, uh, which is not really um, can or. Canon. <laughs> Canon, thank you. I almost said candid. That didn't make sense. Um, but I would think that they're somewhat similar uh, considering um, what was even available. But yeah, so I mean, I think Zelda might be in there, even if it's one of the oldest ones, or, or, or I guess latest releasing ones, uh, just because of how iconic that is. That is the other Mario, more or less, in terms of icon. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, you, you might have it down. I mean, everything you listed pretty much was like 85, 86. Yeah, I mean it is a it is a fun game anyway, but I think that's that's what holds it back because to me, 
the the challenges in the games I actually like, like Mario, you know, Super Mario Brothers and Excite Bike and Zelda, and those are all the funnest ones in the game. And then I'll be like, oh, I have to do more ice climber, I have to do more mm-hmm. pinball, I have to, you know, these games I don't really care about, or some of them are just plain bad. So it's kind of a mixed package to me that could have been a better package with a better game selection. I mean, would you look, I guess, so with a new game selection, you'd consider a sequel? I I would. I especially get excited about the idea of a Super Nintendo sequel if they ever did that. That'd be neat. Because uh, even, I feel like Nintendo was maybe more consistent on the Super Nintendo, although there's probably some, like, sucky games I'm forgetting. <laughs> well, you'd probably but, be upset, though, if they had, like, a Super Mario World challenge and didn't have a Super Mario 3, you know? So it'd be... I mean, well, I don't see why they couldn't add on DLC to this. Have Mario Brothers three as a as an extra remix pack, you know? Well, they totally could, and I don't I don't know what they're thinking. Is either they were just going for like the first games they ever released, or they had a plan like let's not use up all our best games because we want DLC oh, or a sequel so the, or something. The, so the virtual console plan. Uh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> That joke is... Somebody's laughing somewhere, I guarantee it. Uh, but that's about all I have to say about that. I also played SteamWorld Dig, but I know we're going to talk about that when Steven talks about it, and spoilers. he probably has more to say than I do because I'm very early into it. So That's good to know going into it, though. I don't want to say too much then. But I will get to that later. Uh, Joe, let's start off with what you've been playing, then. Sure. So uh, I guess... For me, I'll start off with uh, probably Monster Hunter, I guess. Now, I know that uh, Steven is is not real familiar with Monster Hunter and not real interested in becoming familiar. <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. I appreciate it. Yeah. Now, Andrew, I know that you're not playing either, but are you? How, what's your, I guess, uh, experience level with the franchise? Or Well, I have the uh, Wii the Wii version of Monster Hunter 3 and oh. I did I did enjoy it a lot. I think it's 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 a weird game though because it's it has a very strong single player and a very strong multiplayer. Mm-hmm. And I forget how it works like you can do the multiplayer stuff and that helps you build your character for the single player and vice versa, but they're not exactly the same missions or something like that. Right, yeah, and and basically, and that actually uh, is a perfect setup for one of the things I I wanted to talk about, which is that yeah, it's it's sort of like um, there are certain pieces that you can sort of farm from either the monsters or just from the areas, and the percentage chance that you will get them is different in single player missions and in the online missions, and it's it's not that they're completely just segregated like oh these are the ones you get offline these are the ones you get online it's just that they're different it's just that the percentages are different so you could still get the same items online as offline most of the time but it might be easier to get them offline might be easier to get them online and what that does really is it sort of makes it so that you you really want to play both essentially at least that's the experience i'm getting so far is that you the the best way i think to enjoy this game or maybe perhaps the most efficient way is to do like do a night of online and then a night of single player and then and and just keep going back and forth because you'll kind of find that as you're trying to put your 
armor together or trying to get a certain weapon that you know you'll need pieces from this mission which is ideally going to be played in single player and then this mission which will ideally be played in multiplayer uh and i feel that that's actually exaggerated this time around because the first time when i played the one on the wii uh i felt that it was a little bit more distinguished where if you were going to try to go after certain things most of the time it would just be like a it would just make more sense to do it online there wasn't as much sort of bleeding into the other but this time i really feel like and i don't know if it was a conscious decision or what but i really feel like they're encouraging you or pushing you to play on your own and play with friends i think that's true and i think i actually really like monster hunter 3 it's probably one of my favorite games that I've never finished and not even gotten that far into, which is a weird thing to say. But uh-huh. I think what stopped me from playing, though, is that it's really like I kind of wanted to play it as a single player game that occasionally I'd go online and mess around with. But it's almost like hard to progress correctly yeah. single player if you're not playing a lot of online. Yeah. And so. I never really got stuck in the single player per se, but I would get to points where like it would be a little bit tougher and everyone would be telling me, Oh, that's cause you're supposed to go, <laughs> go, go online with your friends and go get all this correct armor before you try, yeah. even try that mission. And I'd be like, I don't want to do that. I just want to play the single player. Like I don't have time to set up online matches with friends and get everyone together and everything. So yep. it's so not I like played- you have any sort of forum where you could coordinate these things. So. Well, I have uh, time. You should put one together. Time is the issue. I did play a decent amount online early on, but the thing is, too, like, you, if you're someone who plays online, but not as much as everyone else, you start to feel like you're holding them back because you all start off at level one and you get up to level two, three, four. Next thing you know, they're at like level 40 and you're still level five. And it's like, who wants to come play these level five missions with me? Because uh. you can't really do much. I forget how it works. Like you can't even join level forty missions if you're level five. I think like they right. have to come down to the missions at your level. So you have to yep. get all your friends to play stuff they've already played and just yep. to help you get your level up. <laughs> and, or you have to just go with strangers, and that's I'm not too interested Stranger in playing danger. with strangers. I just really I, it's my don't. contribution to this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't uh, have interest in playing online games with strangers, so it's, it got to this weird point where the few people I was playing with from Negative World were just way above me in levels, and it was like, oh, they I can ask them to come play down with me, but they'd really rather probably just play where they're at. So, Well, I'll say so far, because that was my experience. I mean, I, I got this game just a few weeks ago. It was much later than a lot of other, you know, most other people did who were playing it, and I have to say, you know, the negative world community has been extremely kind and generous with uh, with helping me with all these low-level quests. I mean, they've just been awesome about it. I haven't even really had to ask, let alone beg at all. They've just been like, literally just like, all right, what's next? What do you need? And you know, these folks include, like, obviously, uh, Mop It Up's been there a lot. Mr. Mustache's been there a lot. Cryogen been there a lot uh kt tennis pro ludist probably forgetting other people old man from zelda of course so and they've just been amazing and they're usually either two or three of them are on just about any night in some combination and it's it has made my experience with this game so 
so pleasurable because my biggest concern going into it was feeling like I had done all this before and that I had, you know, put hundreds of hours into this game that I was going to have to do it again. Uh, and that's what I almost wasn't even going to get the game because of that apprehension. Um, but because of having all of these strong companions to do the missions with me, uh, I'm just sort of like blazing through all the drudgery, which let's face it, grinding is, you could argue is like the main, <laughs> it's a huge part of the monster hunter franchise is grinding for, you know, for this loot, right? Uh, so they have taken really all of the pain and monotony out of it. And I'm able to just sort of like focus on having fun and, and I can focus on like, well, I'd like to get this new armor or this new weapon that I've never used before. And I can afford to do that because I don't need to go through the drudgery of like, well, I should get, I should get this armor and then I should get this slightly incrementally stronger armor and then this slightly incrementally stronger, stronger armor. I can like skip those steps because I have, all these companions who are there to help me out and I can really just focus on the fun new stuff. So, and yeah, and, and that's really so much better than playing with random people because random people, they tend to be more, as you were alluding to Andrew, you know, they'd be like, uh, a level four quest. I'm on level six and that's so boring and beneath me, you know, and then they leave. <laughs> so, so yeah, playing with, with people you know and playing with your friends uh it's really been a nice luxury this go around yeah yeah but you did remind me of something else that made it kind of tough for me is that like when i when i play single player everything to me is like challenging and i'm really like pushing myself to my limits then when i whenever i play with people way higher levels than me i was always either the one who died real fast and like disappoints mm. everyone or yeah. I could keep myself alive, but I wasn't really doing much. You know, it's like, right. I forget who I play with. I think it was like Anand and Mustache and a couple other people. They would, they were like monster hunter pros. Even sometimes they would all like bring their armor down purposely to try to be at my level, but like they were still uh -huh. better than me. You know, and I'm like, what can they do at that point? Play worse, you know? Right, but, right. So it's like, it's almost like I never felt like I was actually contributing much when I was doing these like four player missions. And Sure. And I, I can't understand that as being frustrating because you're absolutely right. And that's, you know, I think that's one of the, the neat things about this franchise. But of course, it can be a double edged sword in the way that you describe. But one of the cool things is that for the most part, like you don't, as you play this game more, your armor and your weapons get stronger as you upgrade them, but it's not like a traditional RPG where you're not like accruing experience that's going to then automatically add, you know, plus five attack or anything like that. A lot of how you improve in this game is your own skill. And that might seem like a silly thing to say, but so much of how to succeed at the game is studying the monster's behavior and knowing what the little tells are you know when they make this sound or when they start this gesture what's going to come next and then what's the safe distance to be at or what's the best way to block it or dodge it depending on your weapon class things like that and so uh, it was nice for me having spent so much time with the previous game that all those skills carry over so even if my gear isn't that great i'm not usually I really haven't been like, you know, 
I, I haven't been holding them back in terms of like dying a lot because, you know, I know those things. I know those tells. I know how to avoid them. I know more or less what the monsters are going to be trying to do. And then, you know, sort of the, the strategy to avoid it. So, um, yeah. So in that way, I haven't really had to endure what would be the frustration, but, but what you described was accurate. I mean, that can, that can happen. Yeah. I, but I definitely do really like it. I like the core gameplay and like, I'm definitely in for monster hunter four when that releases, I'm just going to have to see if I can find a way to play it. That doesn't make me eventually feel like I'm behind everyone or, cause I know I'm not going to play it as much as these guys on, on negative world. Like no way am I going to, they're on there every night. You're saying I'm, I'm going to be playing like once a week if that, when it comes out. So, <laughs> so I'll well, have to see if I can make it work somehow. Well, I will always be there for you because I know that my, the reason, like when I thought about why I was playing that first game as much as I was, I was kind of thinking like, like, what is my end goal here? Because I definitely, I'm not really attracted to the type of games that have no end that you're supposed to just play forever. Uh, and I, I wasn't really attracted to the idea of just like, uh, you know, I don't, I also don't really play games very much for challenge. So, you know, challenge is a big part of the Monster Hunter franchise, but I was never going to be one of those players who was like, I'm going to, you know, beat the toughest boss uh in the record amount of time using a somewhat underpowered weapon or or anything like that that wasn't what was going to attract me to this game so then when i did think about what i did want to do with the game my purpose for getting all this gear and stuff was i was going to be the one who just like went around helping random people random low level people because that was that was going to be fun for me was taking this power that i had accrued and then going and sort of donating it or whatever you'd say to, you know, to all the people who were learning the ropes and who were probably getting frustrated as you might have been with entering rooms, asking for help, and then people just being like, ugh, that's so beneath me or something. Well, but I didn't really even do that that much, though, because like I said, I just don't like playing online with strangers, so I barely even tried. I would only really play online when... Like people from Negative World were meeting up, so for the most part, my online experience was limited to that. I think, but see, the thing is, I think it, for Part Four when it comes out, I'm gonna have to play more single player and find a way to not get stuck on that. I didn't even get stuck on the single player. I think I just got a little bored after a while. Like, there's the fun missions, and then there's like the go collect five monster toenails or whatever, mm. and those. Those oh, yeah, missions are always like, oh, why? <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Um, yeah, but so bottom line for me, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, there's a lot more new stuff than I was expecting. I'm very pleasantly surprised about all that. And the Negative World community has been a huge, huge reason why I've been enjoying the game as much as I have. That's so, <laughs> anyway... Uh, so moving on, uh, I guess I'll talk about, uh, my experience with, uh, new Super Mario Brothers U a little bit. Uh, that was the game that came with our Wii U bundle. Uh, it was that and Luigi U. And, yeah, I was pretty excited to play these games. Of course, it's a little odd playing them right now when we're amidst this 3D world fever, 
Well, you you put on your 3D glasses, right? <laughs> Didn't help. Didn't oh, help. I thought they came with that game. No, just made everything fuzzy. Um, Touch fuzzy, get dizzy. Your contributions have been excellent this whole thing. I just want to say. <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> you feel that way. I'm just kind of spouting <laughs> off random words. Yeah. Pop, pop. Um, <laughs> uh, so, anyway. Um, yeah, so, but I, you know, I was excited about this game when it was first announced. I know a lot of people are suffering from at least 2D Mario fatigue, or were when it came out, uh, which I think explains its low sales, but that's whatever. That's a whole other topic. Um, but, so this was the game that uh, the agreement was uh, I was not allowed to play this without Amy playing along with me. So I it had to be the two of us, so I was, I'm not able to advance without her. So uh, this is actually a good thing because it means that instead of blazing through the whole game in like 48 hours, uh, we're actually just now, we've had the system, uh, you know, maybe three, three and a half weeks, uh, and we're just now about at the end of World 6, I think it is. So um, we still have a little ways to go. But the way that we play it is to always get all three star coins. Uh, we try to do it on our first run through, but if we don't get it, we just replay the level until we do. And, you know, I mean, uh, we're having a heck of a time with the game. Uh, it's really a lot of fun. I, when it was first announced, I thought that that uh, flying squirrel suit looked just amazing, looked like a lot of fun. And I was wondering why more people weren't excited about it. But uh, but I'm I love it. I mean, it's right up there with the Tanuki suit, as far as I'm concerned, with most fun suits to use. Uh, I'm always sad when I can't get it in a level uh, for whatever reason. And I'm always excited when I do get it. No, it's and a up. yeah, I, I think I think they actually, I guess a word you could use is balanced it really well. Like it's not overpowered in the sense that you only get that one boost. You know, mm-hmm. um, but still actually really useful. And I don't even think I've tapped the full potential of it in that I, I still haven't really figured out a good way to use that wall clinging part of the ability. But um, I think it might come in handy for a couple of the coins, but it's not that integral. I think, uh, yeah, it's just you know, something extra. Um, for maybe the harder levels. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, you know, it, there's not a ton of, as you said about, you know, how, how would a game like this or how would a game like 3d world, how will it be remembered in 15, 20 years? You know, how is it going to stand out? I don't think there's all that much aside from say that suit, uh, that you're really going to remember or that is really going to stand out. Uh, that said, doesn't mean it's not super fun to play right so uh yeah we're just having a heck of a time it's not it's not anything earth shatteringly new but it's a lot of fun we've had a couple of different friends come over and they you know their skill levels varied drastically so uh you know so one of our friends he was basically it's it's amazing to think that you know from this gamer world this little gamer bubble that we live in that there are people out there who just plain are not familiar with the basic mechanics of super mario brothers but uh 
this friend of ours, he was just not all that familiar with it. So, uh, so for him, it was like, you know, Amy was playing along with him, kind of guiding him. And then I was just there on the tablet on boost mode the whole time. And which, by the way, that's another thing. I mean, I was really excited about boost mode from the start when they announced it. And, and I've really been enjoying doing that whenever I get the chance to. But, uh, so I was basically there as kind of like his insurance policy when, when things would inevitably go wrong. But, but you know, uh, we still, we still wound up just laughing the whole evening and, uh, and had a great time with it, even though he was not that experienced. We didn't, we didn't get too many star coins during his play session, but, uh, but we still had a good time, a good time regardless. What uh, what kind of TV are you playing this on? Uh, it's a something inch plasma okay, TV. So it's a okay, it's a newer TV because I yeah I probably mentioned this back when the game came out, but playing it on a TV like that and seeing Mario in that kind of crisp HD style was really just something special for me. I I'd, you know been playing on a on an old you know, classic style CRT for so many years and pixel art and all that stuff to see the Mario in that way was pretty sweet. So I was curious if you felt the same. Well, you know, I'll say that the game looks great. I've really, I haven't really felt that difference, uh, save for two places. One of them will seem really minor. So I'll mention that one first, but you know, when the, uh, when you're fighting the, uh, Koopa kids or Koopalings or whatever they're called, you know how, their ship flies by yeah. the castle first. The definition on those little faces on the ships is probably the most crisp graphics I've seen on the system so far. And I've only played a couple games, but I don't, I don't know what it is, and I don't know how you know what they're doing differently there. But just like I guess it's the same thing. It sort of reminds me of the fruit in Pikmin Three when I saw. Uh, old man from Zelda playing Pikmin 3 where it just, you know, it looked really realistic. It looked like you could, like, reach out and grab it. But it's the same thing with these uh, textures on the faces of these ships. And I just... It's almost jarring because it seems like a real um, break. Like, it seems like like they really went for realism when it came to the faces of those ships as opposed to the more cartoony atmosphere in the rest of the world. But Anyway, but yeah, but that sort of like hits me in the face every time we get to that little those little cutscenes, and I'm like, oh wow, yeah, like this running is... up the stairs and that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, oh wow, yeah, this is HD. Hmm. Um, but uh, so then there's that, and then the other one is I can't even remember what world it is. I think it's in world. I think it's the rock candy world. There's a couple couple of levels where uh, it's almost like sunset in the background. And because of that, it sort of changes the hues of of everything, and so including the characters that you're playing as. And I just felt that it was really, really sort of stunningly beautiful the way that they used the color palette, and you know, it's the same Mario and same world that we're used to, but it's sort of got this new sort of gloss on top of it that just you know made a real, real difference, and um, just just pleasant to look at. I mean. Obviously, it does not change the gameplay at all, but it was just nice to look at, and I think they did a good job with the visuals, certainly in 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 those two spots for me. Yeah, I think for the first HD Mario, uh, I think it's a pretty you know stellar attempt. Yeah, they could definitely do more with it, 
especially if you look at the progression of how the old Mario's progress into Super Mario World. But, you know, with, with practice and time comes uh, usually improvement. Yeah. I think uh, it's, it's stylistically... I mean, it's not that much different than the old ones, but stylistically, to me, a little bit... It seems like a little bit more effort was put into the style this time around, too, because a lot of people are like, oh, it's just the old games again in HD. And I'm like, no, it looks like they put a little more effort into some of the backgrounds and just coming up with some interesting things to look at. Well, there is that one level that everyone pointed to, the uh, the one that looks like a painting. Yeah. That, that I think they showed in the E3 trailers. And yeah, I know a lot of people were like, why don't they, you know, why isn't every stage like this? Or why aren't more stages like this? Um, I, I'd say it's a good point to ask why aren't more stages doing things like that? But I do think, Andrew, I do think that you hit the nail on the head that I do think it was a more conscious effort to sort of explore the tools that were at their disposal this time around, even if it's usually in more subtle ways than the background looks like a painting or, you know, something that's so different from the normal Mario aesthetic that we've seen in the past. Yep. Uh, last thing that I'll say about it is just uh, it, going back to the boost mode thing. I We played actually at a friend's house on their Wii you that they got for Christmas. Uh, and it was... So two of them and Amy, they were playing, and I I really enjoy boost mode. So I was looking for just another excuse to, to use boost mode, and it was kind of nice because they had, like, one couch and seat that was facing the television and one couch that was kind of facing away from the television. And so it was going to be an issue as far as where everyone sat, but because I was just going to be looking at the tablet, uh, it actually worked out nicely because I was able to just sit on the couch facing away from the TV and then... Everyone was comfortable and everyone gets to play. So that was cool. But, you know, I really enjoyed doing the boost mode. I really enjoyed kind of helping people out. And I guess it just makes me wonder, I'll pose this to you guys. You know, do you think that that, I, I guess you could call it asymmetric gameplay. I guess that's what the buzzword at least was. But, you know, is that something that you think we're going to see into the future? Or do you think that that ship has already kind of sailed and people weren't really all that sold on it or or what because i really enjoy it i fear that people not being sold on it is going to give nintendo a bad message about it when i think in reality if they pursued it further and continued to work on their ability to make fun experiences like that then uh, it could actually potentially become a really big thing for them because i think nintendo land which i don't know how much experience you have with that but the what's that Roughly zero experience. Okay. Uh, well, that's got some pretty awesome asymmetric gameplay <laughs> inside that. So, uh, I've already said before that my favorite multiplayer moments with uh, with New Super Mario Brothers U were the asymmetric ones, and uh, so I don't. Know, I think there's a lot of potential, but I, you know, we haven't seen them really do too much with that sense, mm. and uh, that's that's frustrating for me. I mean, I'm not saying I want every one of their brilliant ideas, uh, you know. Um, what was the the vitality sensor? You know, I don't need everything to work out, but this is something that can be totally. This could be something that Nintendo could have taken and really cultivated, and made the other guys, you know, really want right. in on, like with motion controls. Right. Um, Andrew, any opinion? Yeah, I I like it, and for me though, like some of these modes, I think they really. I don't know how I'm going to say this. It's going to sound bad, but I feel like for some of these modes, if they want to make it 
more appealing to like a bunch of core gamers sitting around playing. They're going to have to maybe do a little more like the, the boost mode. I've played with my nieces and nephews and Mm -hmm. then, then it's fun to me because it's like, I'm helping them when I'm playing with someone who doesn't need help. It's kind of like, why, what's the purpose? You know, like, what am I, what am I adding to this? Like, and, and I know, I mean, I know you said you don't like challenge, but I like challenge. So, on the other side of things, it's like, I don't really want help unless it's like really, really insanely hard. And even then I'd probably still just try to do it on my own. So it's, to me, it's kind of like, I'm not going to get much use out of this other than playing with like, you know, more casual gamers or mm-hmm. even my girlfriend, who she's not much of a gamer, but she doesn't like handholding at all. So uh-huh. She's not going to want me to make little platforms for her. She's going <laughs> to want to figure out how to do whatever the game's asking her to do. On her own, if we're playing together and I like pick her up and throw her or something, that's one thing. But like to actually build platforms for her to walk on because she can't get across the gap or something. No, she's going to want to jump across the gap. You know? So well, it's kind of to me, I don't have much use for it myself other than with my nieces and nephews, but I see the appeal. Yeah. I, you know, this when I was playing this, uh, with these friends of ours, I mean, they all, they are all seasoned. Mario veterans. So they didn't need help in in the sense of like, oh, they don't know what they're doing. Or like that other friend I was telling you about who's just sort of unfamiliar with the rules of the Mario universe. For them, it really worked because I think we all are aware of the somewhat flaw in the multiplayer Mario thing, which is that, you know, it actually makes it more difficult to an extent. Right. When you've got a bunch of people playing at the same time on the same screen, at least in these 2D ones, uh, sometimes you end up getting in each other's way and bouncing on each other's heads when you don't mean to. And, you know, someone gets hit and it kind of freezes time for a second and screws everyone up. So this, the boost mode in that setting actually, I think, sort of acted as like an undoing of that flaw, if you will. So it, I felt like it allowed everyone to, sort of participate at the same time and play together, but kind of removing some of that uh, discomfort that I think tends to come with the multiplayer Mario, at least. And I know a lot of people complained about it in like New Super Mario Brothers Wii and such is when you have more friends, instead of making the game easier, it actually makes it harder. Uh, I don't know if that was your experiences or what, but yeah. yeah, so well, and you said something about asymmetric gameplay in general, not just with Mario. And if you oh, yes. and if you look at Nintendo Land, you can see asymmetric gameplay where it's not making platforms to help somebody, but it's uh, being almost like a game master or having that uh, omnipotent viewpoint right. in a certain yeah. scenario. So yeah. it just allows there to be another player that is doing something differently. Um, it kind of reminds me, although obviously it's not the same thing, but back in the day with Goldeneye, and I only did this like once, but I know a lot of people would freaking create like cardboard cutouts to block people's view oh, in multiplayer, yeah, yeah. so that you never knew where you know they turned the radar radar off, and and then you were just there, and you'd just pop up in front of someone's face. Right. You know? right. And so this allows you to do that, like with the uh, the Mario Chase game, which definitely could have been expanded on. Uh, not to turn this into a Nintendo Land discussion, but uh, still the basic concept of having one guy playing tag and the other three are trying to get the hell out of there. And uh, and having that the person who's actually trying to chase and catch people separate on the screen is is such a fun concept that really worked. It just was limited, 
And right. so they really could just take this further. And, and a lot of their franchises, um, even the Zelda Nintendo Land uh, mini game, where one person was kind of doing archery and the other person was doing sword fighting, I don't know how they could do that into an actual Zelda game. And no, not that I really would want them to, but I could see there being a special mode or or something like that, or maybe a whole new game that's not Zelda-based but still has the archery and the sword fighting that mm-hmm. does that as a main focus, and it being, like, well-received and everything. Yeah, sure. we, my me and my cousin played the Zelda for a long time, and that I really liked. The, and we just kept switching back and forth between archery and sword fighting. And that, it's cool because you're doing two different things, but it's like it's not like one person's really helping the the people who aren't as good at the game or something. It's like you both have your role and you're just filling your role. Yeah, and my girlfriend has never played a Metroid game in her life, but I was calling her my Galactic girlfriend for like a couple weeks because she was helping me so much in the Metroid one. You know, she'd be on foot and I'd be in the spaceship and we would just be kicking ass left and right. You know, it was so great. It was so great to connect with her like that on a game that she never even had, or a series she never even had familiarity with. And I, there's just so much potential I see there. So, you know, we're straight from the uh, the Mario thing, but the asymmetric gameplay possibilities I think mm-hmm. are, are totally there. But just like with you know, uh, motion controls in general, to an arguable extent, um, you know, Nintendo shows off something cool, then we don't really see it flourish. And I guess not with motion controls, but with like Wii Motion Plus, mm-hmm. and that came out. There was a game or two that used it, and then just nothing. And unfortunately, Nintendo's got to be the one to support this. If anyone's going to copycat off them, because no one's, not no one, that, that's not fair to say, but most developers go with the status quo or go with a lot of general ideas as opposed to breaking molds on Nintendo platforms because they're just yeah. afraid they're not going to sell well. <laughs> it already seems hard enough for them to sell well at a normal concept, let alone some sort of crazy one. Yeah. Like, I hope Spin the Bottle did well because that's, you know, an example of like a zany idea. That you can only find on Nintendo, but that's a risk for the developer as well as the consumer. Yep. Okay, so uh, real quick, just uh, the last new game that we've been playing is uh, We Fit You, and uh, you know, for this, this is this is the the third one of these that I've purchased. I mean, I got the first one, I got We Fit Plus, and in no way am I telling myself that this is going to, you know, shave dozens of pounds off of me or anything. But I actually have always been interested in this series just because I've always been interested in the idea of, I guess, more, you know, like full body interactive games, which is why I actually think that the Microsoft Connect is a pretty awesome device. Uh, and I would totally have one and use it if I, you know, wanted wanted the system. But Anyway, so that's why that's why we decided to jump in yet again to another Wii Fit experience. And so far, you know, there's nothing real different about having it on the Wii U. Uh, there have been a couple little things. You know, like there are a couple of little activities, some of the body test things we've done that involve using the gamepad. Uh, but for me, none of that has really been all that meaningful. Probably the most fun thing I did with the gamepad and We Fit You is while other people are doing the exercises or or playing the games, I should say, you get sort of this alternative camera viewpoint of what's going on if you're looking at the gamepad, and you can take 
little screenshots of them uh, while their avatar is playing, you know. So I was able to, you know, like while Amy would be, she'd be like doing the luge or something, and I would just be looking at the gamepad and waiting for a, a screenshot that looked good. Uh, and I would just take those and then uh, share them with her in the album afterwards. And, you know, it'd be funny because you can wait for funny pictures or just cool pictures and they have no idea you're taking them. And uh, so that was kind of neat. That was kind of neat about the, about the gamepad. But, uh, but really, aside from that, it's really the only practical use for the gamepad in this game that I've experienced so far. Uh, I, I did use it a little bit for like, because my room is at a weird angle, so if I was to do workouts or yoga or strength training, I'm kind of in, I'm like parallel with my wall, you know, because I have my desk and everything, but my TV's in a corner at an angle. So it's kind of awkward to do certain motions while facing the TV. So I was able to put the the gamepad on the stand and put that on my windowsill or on a chair. And then I can look at the wall and still do the motion. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of them kind of do require a certain kind of concentration. You want to make sure you got your form right. And so you're kind of doing this, you're doing that. And that's been a cool function. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... Um, a couple things I do really like already off the bat are things like, first of all, because I, since I tend to do Wii Fit with Amy or sometimes with, even if friends are over it, it makes a surprisingly decent party game, if you will. Um, but, uh, the ability to switch between users very quickly, uh, in this game, which is Unless there was a way to do it in previous games that we were just unaware of, that's a that's a new feature this time around. I know that you could switch before, but it seemed kind of um, inconvenient in the previous game. So this time it's real convenient. You just scroll over to the end of whatever activity bin that you're in, and you can just select to switch users. Um, and the other thing that I'm actually... Part of the reason why I really wanted to get this is I've always thought that there should be a way that you could exploit this idea of online quasi-social networks with an exercise routine so that you could have, you know, people sort of encouraging each other or really what I was hoping for was some sort of like leaderboard. So as far as I'm aware, this game can do that. It's just now a matter of me choosing a community to join. Yeah. Have you joined ours? Well, I was going to, but first of all, I posted in the thread and I don't think anyone ever replied which I think maybe goes to show how much Negative World is interested in We Fit You community. Um, how much our pounds days. are going negative is what you're saying. <laughs> um, so because for me, I like I don't, you know, if someone, if I'm trading high scores with someone that I don't know in Baltimore, that's not as captivating for me as if I was trading high scores with one of you guys or one of the people on the forum, you know, that's what I really wanted to get out of this. So I assumed that it would just be like, sort of like the way that, um, you know, it puts leaderboards together with the people who play on the system locally. I thought it would just sort of grab from my friend list on the Wii U and just sort of import those scores automatically. I didn't know that you had to go through this community, uh, aspect so, so now I'm a little bit concerned about that because I was really that was like going to be a big selling point for me. But uh, do you guys are you guys real familiar with this system or a good way to use it? Or I'm pretty you know? familiar and I'm pretty let down. Okay. Um, I I was the guy who who made the community for us. You know, uh, that, that took like two seconds to just kind of register us and everything. And 
I, I'm, I'm in the thread right now. I see your post from the ninth, and I apologize that I did not see it, nor did probably anyone else. Yeah. Um, I never even saw this thread get bumped, so either I was busy <laughs> or I just gloss over it, but it's my own thread. Um, but the, the community is so limited. When you log into the community, you see your friends' avatars, and I think you can compare scores to a degree. Um, or maybe it's just when you're in the game anyway, when you're in, doing a certain activity. But I don't think you can actually see some sort of big data-based overview of the community. It tells you, I think, uh, I should have booted it up. It's um, like how many men versus women are in there. Um, it tells you who or what the general, uh, how it's weighted. So like if people are more doing strength training exercises or balance games or something. It tells you that, but otherwise it doesn't really tell you much. You can click on an individual person and see pretty much personalized versions of those stats, but that's it. And it's a real letdown because, again, like you, I wanted some sort of community. Like I've I've been on MyFitnessPal before, which is a website where you can track your calories and, and what you're eating and um, track your exercise and that sort of thing. And, and that, along with We Fit Plus, along with having a lot more time in my life, uh, allowed me to shed a lot of pounds, and I was kind of hoping that hey, maybe I can rekindle that with We Fit, uh, We Fit You, and it it lasted a week, you know. I mean, I, I have fun with it. I, I love the squash game, but that's so not, you know, I'm not burning a lot of calories playing the squash. Game. Right, right. Um, yeah. But I would love to see that in its own like We Sports game almost, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's just kind of a letdown, and I don't know. I just thought that there would be more of a community or, or some reason to log in now. I mean, I. I used to at least log in once a day just to upload my my Wii Fit data, my uh, pedometer data. But uh-huh. even then, I I just let it build up. I actually, when I checked in last week, I had like 36 miles on it because I had just, you know, been not doing it for maybe two weeks, three weeks or something. And uh, and I totally like went the entire length of the pyramids all in one go, that kind of thing, you know, because of all uh-huh. the elevation I racked up. And uh, like those things are cool, but there's no reason for me to come back on a regular right. basis. And now I've actually gotten my butt to the gym on a regular basis. And by regular, I mean like maybe twice a week. Like one, I get away like one day during the week, and then one on the weekends or something. But when I look at my system and I think, you know, I should play some We Fit You, I think, well, I'm not going to get a good enough workout to be satisfied, so I'm going to go to the gym, break an actual sweat, and then, you know, when I come back, I'm going to want to play Mario 3D World. As opposed right. to, uh, you know, the the puzzle squash or but the thing is, some of the games are really really fun. Like oh yeah, and 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 I you know when I go to the gym, I don't really focus on squats or I I do some leg stuff. I do machines and stuff like that. I probably should do free weights because that's supposed to be even better for you. But uh, I don't really have a knowledge of strength training that I want. So one thing that I could do to supplement that is do the trampoline mini game where I'm doing squats. Yep. I don't even realize it. I mean, that's fun. That's a, that's a pretty good one. Um, I love that one, actually. I'm convinced I can beat my score every time. And <laughs> uh, uh, it's totally cool. And, like, I feel ri- ridiculous flapping my arms, but the bird one's always pretty fun mm-hmm. and should get rid of these flabby underarm, you know, jiggles or whatever. Uh, not that I have them, ladies. <laughs> Although I am not single, so it doesn't matter. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, and I really found the dancing to be kind of fun. I I must look like a ridiculous asshole, but I have so much fun doing the salsa, you know, and stuff like that. But yep. even that's limited too because they they spend so much time teaching you the basic 
uh, mm. dance moves, and then they don't really expand beyond the one song. You just have the one song to do. Right. It reminds me of how big of a fail uh, Mario DDR was. I was so psyched to have DDR on a Nintendo console, and it was going to have Mario songs in it. Hell yes. And then it was just a flop because they never took it as far as they could. They were just generic songs or um, at least obviously they had multiple songs because of the nature of the game, but we fit you just sticks to the one and then there's an advanced song. And I think that their problem is that they didn't expand on the community aspect. Like we were mm. like how we, I spun into this rant, but also <laughs> they, uh, they didn't, they, they stuck to their guns too closely. They, they were too, we fitish. They could have expanded on themselves, but instead they didn't. And, you know, the way that they're structured, the way that they had pretty much the same strength training exercises and same yoga moves, and they didn't try to expand on that very well at all. They did right. create new balance games, which is awesome, but it's kind of worthless if I'm all alone and I'm just competing against myself, which I really don't like doing ever. Right, right, right. Yeah. So I could I give mean, a shit less if I got 100 more points that time. You know? <laughs> yeah, for you know, for me, the thing that I've always said I think would be my ideal future of exercise at this point because you know back when i was younger it was oh you know you go play basketball with your friends and and that you you're you're getting exercise but you're actually just enjoying yourself uh but these days you know, what i felt would be the the way to do it would be something where it's like actually gameplay driven so you know as you said you don't care if 100 points if you go up 100 points but if it could be something where you actually care about the gameplay because it's fun and and it's something that's going to be fun for more than just 3 minutes once every week or something like that you know right. the way that we play other games whether we play non exercise games if, if a high score would get me uh, a new a whole new song in the salsa game then i'd be fighting to get that new damn song you know right. unlockables uh greater content well, and I, you know, I've always thought of it just off the top of my head of something where it's like, you know, you take a, a traditional game like a shoot 'em up or something, and, you know, okay, your ship will move faster the quicker you're stepping, or the, you know, or you are uh, using the balance board, or even in this case, the tablet or something to steer the ship, but you're using your feet to control the, you know, firing the weapons or something like that. Uh, something where you're, you know, just using your body to play games that we would like to play anyway. So that half of it, and then the other half was going to be, as I said, that you know the whole online community part of it, where then the exercise part actually gets rewarded and encouraged from your online social network. Um, and so I, I was excited about this game. I still am excited about it in as much as it is incrementally better in, I think, both those directions than the previous versions. But still, as you said, as I think as I was arriving at, you know, it appears to not not be where where I would like it to be right now. And so it's, it's fine for what it is, but I still hope that this is not... I hope that they're not done improving the formula, and it would be nice if if the future improvements are a little more drastic. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree, and I guess the last thing I want to say on it is this analogy that just popped in my head. But the way that you pretty much unlock anything new in, in Wii Fit U is by playing something enough. And then you get, like, a six-minute version instead of a three-minute version or a six-set version instead of a three-set. Mm -hmm. And I know that makes sense in exercise, but, again, that doesn't help my sense of of accomplishment 
So it's the same thing as playing a Mario level for three minutes. And if you play it ten times, even if you didn't beat the level, you get the next one. <laughs> and that's a six-minute sure. long level. But if you don't beat that, but you still play it enough, and you still do crappy, well, okay, then you get the next one. That's weird to me. Right. Imagine if Bit Trip Runner took that that route, you know? Uh, it, it just then maybe I would have finished Bit Trip Runner. Huh? <laughs> I mean, it just it just doesn't attract me to the sense of accomplishment that I want because the games burn so few calories, and and of course there's so much other factor, so many other factors besides just we fit you. You know, I mean, eating right and getting other exercise. Oh, so you don't see that instant gratification in your body. You don't suddenly become ripped or sexy or whatever. You know. Um, so then you just kind of leave like, okay, that was cool, but I kind of want to go eat some pork rinds and watch Doctor <laughs> Who and then play some Mario on the, you know, it it doesn't well, keep you captivated like they want you to, and I it, yeah. it takes a discipline that doesn't really exist in most exercise routines, let alone Nintendo's. Right, right. which is why the advantage would be you know video game based because people do that for fun. Yeah. So you know if somehow you could make. The exercise fun. Though I will say, you know, obviously these workouts are not, as you said, they're not really uh, that intense or anything. But they do still provide like a good first step for someone like me who, you know, has been distracted by things like finishing school and trying to start a career. and hoes and, so, <laughs> and so now it's like, you know, it it's ridiculous. I... You know, I go somewhere and I go up a long flight of stairs and I'm winded. It's like this is this is ridiculous. So, so for me, some of these activities actually are pretty. You know, I mean, they're not like it's not like a full workout, but again, it's a good it's a good place to be starting at. I think for someone in my position, and I'm sure I'm not alone in that. And also, too, there you know, I think they made a slight improvement on this, but it takes too long to get between games and. Even if you set up a string of them, there's still like all this kind of intro crap that just delays you from keeping the workout. Like when I go to the gym, I feel like I'm getting a great workout because I'm on an elliptical or something or a bike or a treadmill getting cardio for 40 minutes straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, 35 with a five minute cool down or 40 minutes or however long I feel like going. But my body is constantly working and doing the step for 40 minutes. It will burn calories, but, you know, life and health isn't just about calories. I mean, at least I don't believe that. I guess maybe maybe there is some ambiguity there, but uh, it's about you know working your heart muscle and actually getting that to a certain level, getting your heart rate up enough to to be effective in and strengthening that. Sure. And getting your lungs to fill up. When I'm stepping, I may be burning calories based on what they're calculating, but my lungs aren't opening up. You know. Uh, so it's just uh, it's just. I think it's good for some people. It's a great stepping stone, but it was a great stepping stone back when it was just called Wii Fit. Mm. And it needs, you know, it went through its plus stage. Now it's in its U stage. It needs to be, you know, something something fierce. Which is what probably be the, the only time I've ever used that phrase, but <laughs> just felt Fun right. and fierce. <laughs> what would be what? Oh, no. no I was just going to make another bad joke. Um, okay. All right. Well, that's cool. So, moving on. Uh, what about you, man? What have you oh, yeah. Playing? I've been playing SteamWorld Dig on Steam. That is definitely one of the... I was going to mention three games, but we're we, this has gone a little over, so I'm going to just stick to two. We'll talk about them quickly. SteamWorld Dig. 
is on the 3DS. So it is a Nintendo game. It is available, but I experienced it on Steam. You said to yourself, I'm going to play this on Steam. Because I had heard about it vaguely, wasn't aware it was really a 3DS game until after I purchased it on Steam. All I knew was it was for the Mac, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Is it not because the word Steam is in the title and you thought this would be the best way to play it? No, it's called Nintendo. While they're doing better with their sales, uh, Steam has an excellent winter sale that just sucks Uh, you in to all these games you didn't even know you wanted until you're like, hey, it's half off. Okay, you know what? That's low enough for me to risk my money. Let's just see. I don't even remember how much I paid for Steam World Dig, but I was sucked in that week. And luckily it was like on a Friday. I mean, this is over the holiday and I did get time off from work for that, but uh, it's an excellent game. And I, I almost, just like VVVVVV, I almost want to go buy it on the 3DS anyway, just to play it again. Uh, even though uh, I beat it twice that weekend. Which I've never beaten a game, well, I, I have, but I've, it's been so long since I've beaten a game twice in like a, a weekend time frame or something, where I beat it and then I just played it right again. That pretty much never happens anymore. So, and, uh, so yeah, so tell, I mean, I've heard a little bit about this game uh, actually, from you know other podcasts that were raving about it, but so you so are a robot. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, I forget the world exactly is bad. What about it that underground I even was attracted stuff. to? But the the premise is this: you're a robot. It's like a steampunk kind of western world, and you go to this town where your uncle, I believe it's your uncle, where he lived, and he's apparently perished, and he's a miner. And uh, and there's a few people in the town, and there's like three people, and they each have their own shops or whatever. And uh, yeah, you're just said, hey, go inside the mine, maybe you can find your, your uncle, you find him, he's dead, and you get his axe, and then you're told, hey, well, let's dig deeper, something's going on here, and you just start digging. And it's 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 apparently a grid system, it's not as blatant, it's not like a Minecraft square pixel thing, but it's... Uh, huh. It's definitely, um, you know, square by square based, and you just dig, and you only have so much light, so you constantly have to go up to the surface to uh, fill your solar-powered flashlight or whatever, or your lantern, and that sounds like an annoyance, and in some ways it is, but it's part of the challenge to see how far down you can get, how much you can explore. You obviously can upgrade your lamp, which gives, I think, another minute of light every time you do, so you can double or even more than double your light uh, consumption by the end of the game. And you dig through these squares, and you, uh, you know, you work your way down lemming style. But um, obviously, it's a lot more intricate than that. But certain squares contain gems, or uh, well, yeah, mostly they're like gems. And you have a satchel that can collect a certain amount of gems, and you bring it back up to the surface. You sell it at a pawn shop, more or less, and you get money, and then you can use that to buy upgrades. Which you know, it's designed in a way that's really well done. So you're constantly rewarded for every time you go back up at the service for light anyway and then you end up cashing in and then you get enough money to at least get close to your goal you're never like crawling to a goal and so the upgrades are constantly coming uh honestly i've seen some speed runs of this game that are so crazy that you clearly don't need all of them all the upgrades to win or to dig fast but a lot of them are helpful and uh some of them involve digging faster stronger attacks against enemies, being able to resist fall damage, stuff like that. So it's very uh, Metroid-like in the sense of how you upgrade things, how you get, suddenly you get a boost, a water, like a steam-powered jump, 
and then you can suddenly start exploring certain caverns more. Uh, and then sometimes, you know, they're, they're required because you can't jump so high, and, and even though you can do wall jumps sometimes if it's kind of a, like an inverse pyramid, you know, think of a pyramid, but the pyramid part is actually the opening, you know, you can't really climb up that diagonal to that small little uh, opening mm-hmm. because it just doesn't work like that physics-wise. So you might want to use a steam mm-hmm. jump. And so you're constantly going back up and back down, and they do have teleportation points at various locations, and uh, you can purchase them as well for a certain fee of these special gems, which are rarer and you don't want to use too much. But uh, you can purchase teleportation things to get yourself there quicker, so it doesn't take that long to refill. Um, When you're up there on the surface, before you even get a chance to uh, talk to somebody, you probably have refilled your meter, so it's not like you have to do anything up there. It just... It just keeps you coming back, which you're already going to do because your satchel only holds so much. But there's something really addictive about the uh, the nature of collecting the cash and collecting the upgrades and exploring the cave further and further and uh, finding the enemies, which are pretty much not you know they're not too big of a hassle for you, but you just don't know what's going to be next, and you just keep mm-hmm. going. And the deeper you dig the harder the uh, sediment becomes. So your pickaxe might knock out squares in one go, but then the next layer might be two. The next layer might be three. But then you upgrade your pickaxe, and it's a plus one or a plus two. Literally says that. So then the next time you're at that third tier, it only takes one instead of three, because you had a plus two on you. And so there's kind of an RPG element in that sense, too. Uh-huh. Uh, there's three actual caves. And uh, they're different in their own way, so it's not just boring, you know, dirt the whole way. The first one's pretty standard. The second one's more of a like a chemical waste site, and then the the last one's a surprise. I won't even say what it is, but uh, it's unorthodox. I'll tell you that. And it's got mm-hmm. e- each one has its own unique challenges, and it's just a fantastic game. And I'm I'm so desperate for another one, for a sequel. <laughs> and I think that they are working on some more in the series, but. I don't know if they're going to work on... Uh, I forget if they're working on an actual sequel to the game or they're just working on new games with new gameplay genres, but in that world. Mm. But uh, when I beat it, I beat it in just under nine hours, but I, I pretty much almost 100%ed it. Uh, eventually, late in the game, you do get the opportunity to have like a little radar thing where it'll show you where all the loot that you might have missed in your venture down uh, exists so you can go back and try to collect it. But everything's permanent, too. So if you create a big hole in the, you know, what you might think might be a good thing. Okay, let's just let's just methodically go left to right, knocking down. But then you might create situations for yourself where you can't escape. Uh, you don't want to have to self-destruct, but you also might make it tricky to actually get back up the mine if you don't create a path that's uh, going to cater to your needs of going back up. If you just keep thinking of going down, that's not going to cut it. So you have to constantly think about how your path is going to be as you curve it and carve it around the enemies and the obstructions, because not everything is destructible. And uh, it's it's truly fantastic. Huh. Yeah. And then the reason I went through the second time right away, besides just being addicted and, and totally into it, was, um, you know, Steam does have achievements, and sometimes those make you want to see if you can try something else in the game that you may not have considered. And one of them said, beat the game in two and a half hours. And I was like, yeah, that, that seems kind of doable. I mean, I don't usually do speed runs, but I went for it, and I did it in like two hours and eight minutes. And now that sounds like it's not worth the money, because it's only two hours of gameplay, but that is when you've beaten the game, you know everything to a T. You're skipping uh, various things just for the sake of time. 
Um, so yeah, so I mean, like I said, nine hours, that might be a little bit long because I was pretty much being incredibly thorough, but at least a six, seven hour game, I would think. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know how much it is on 3DS right now, or even how much it is on Steam for that matter, but it's a game worth checking out for sure might keep an eye for you know maybe if there's a sale on 3ds or something like that yeah i just don't i just don't play that many games on uh pcs so i mean i have steam i have a couple games for it but i don't really usually play them so right. um yeah well, but it, it's it's a it's an intriguing like you know i like setting a lot in games and i i do kind of like the atmosphere that's going on there and the character design and everything like that so you know i mean it might be a great starting game especially if they continue to to have games in this world mm -hmm. you might... this, is, this is actually the second game in this world though no way okay what was what? the first one go look it up uh i think there's some dsiware game it didn't review as well though so it kind of flew under the radar okay well, steam world cook steam world something or other. <laughs> i think it was dsiware something like that all right i'll have to look into that I mean, I'm a big yeah. fan of the, uh, you know, the company and and just what they're doing right now. So, uh, I mean, I'd be interested in looking back, but also looking forward for sure. They've they've hooked me for sure. And then and then uh, did one of the guys from the company showed up on our yeah, forum? That you know, That's I mean, not that we have fake accounts at Negative World, but you know, you just get skeptical if something like that happens. But I'm guessing I had made a thread, uh, the the official SteamWorld Dig thread. For the 3DS, but still, you know, and those public threads on our site do get pushed out to Twitter and, and social media, and I'm guessing he might have seen it on there, and then, you know, checked it out, and then saw we were having a discussion about um, the value of games, because I had gotten it on Steam for, uh, you know, less than full price, and, and that kind of spurred a side conversation. He actually <coughs> made an account just to, uh, I forget what, what guy in the company it was, I'm, you know, I'm sorry I didn't think about looking that up beforehand, but... But he came to visit, he signed up, and he actually started chatting with us for a little bit about it. And, uh, and that was totally awesome of him, you know. And he had some really great points, and he really listened to us, too. It kind of felt like out of nowhere we were part of uh, his part of the community, you know. Yeah. So, uh, magical experiences happen at Negative World. Yeah, so so I've been playing SteamWorld Dig 2 just a little. Um, I'm still in the first cave, although if you say it's three caves six to seven hours long, maybe I probably have to be near the end of the first cave because I probably played for over an hour, okay. maybe close to two hours, and I got pretty far deep. Um, at first, I was kind of, like, not sure what I was doing because you're just kind of digging, and there's doesn't seem to be much going on. But once you start to, like, get into the actual, like, cave cave, because, like, you dig, but then you'll find, like, a little door you go into a little area that's more like a traditional, like, level almost, you know? Usually they're really yeah. short. It's like a giant puzzle. <laughs> yeah, it's, I shouldn't say level because it's usually five minutes or, you know, ten minutes maybe tops. But it's like a little area that's more like a traditional, like, 2D platformer, you know, type thing. So then once I realized that there's, like, actual, like, more than just digging, then it started to get a little more addicting. And you, you kind of exploring and like some of those are required stages. Others you just kind of find in their little like puzzles that will just get you some more loot or whatever. And yeah, it's fun. You just dig down and 
it was a little annoying to me having to climb all the way back up, but eventually you get little warp things that you could place that, you know, you could place a warp that will just warp you back to the surface, and then from the surface you could warp back down to your warp. Yeah, and I, I think thing. too once you get out of that first, uh, the first cave or you know whatever you want to call it, um, you'll start getting power ups that make it, uh, not not that you get like a teleportation from where you stand kind of thing, but you, you know you have a bigger satchel, you have uh, maybe more water or more health or whatever, so you you stop going up as much in one run. So it's less of an annoyance at that point. In the beginning, yeah. you only have room for three three different types of gems, and you can hold four of each, but certain ones are so awesome that you can only hold one. So you can only hold, you know, at minimum three, but at most 12. And sometimes they can rack up really quick, so it can be frustrating. And luckily, the loot doesn't disappear, though, when you go back up. When you come back down, it'll be sitting there for you to collect again, unless, like, you get it, or you, you break it free, but then a rock falls on it or something, which is frustrating, but... Doesn't happen often. Yeah, that was kind of a little annoyance too early on. Is I would just get, I would fill up my loot bag so fast that it's like I could keep going further down because I still had health and light and everything, but I wouldn't be able to collect any more loot. So then I'd just run all the way to the top, trade in my loot, run back down, start collecting it. But once you start to get warps and stuff, it's a little, it's a little easier to just get back up real quick and in their defense to. too like the the controls are really solid in the game so while jumping and running back up and zigzagging through your little maze you're creating is pretty efficient i very rarely you know would have issues where the controls weren't functioning and plus i was using a wii u cl or not a wii u but a, a wii classic controller plugged into a wii controller and using darwin remote which is a little program for the mac that allows me to play it on my computer, control my computer in any way. So I just customized the controls for SteamWorld Dig, and bam, you know, I was playing with an actual controller, and uh, it felt really good. Yeah. So I'm sure it feels good on the 3DS, but playing with a Wii Class controller is really great. Yeah, it's fun. It's not completely blowing me away or anything, but it's it's a worthy purchase, and it's probably, well, it's definitely one of the best eShop games of the year. Yeah. Um, not that there were all that many, but... It's definitely one of the standout ones. Yeah, well, I dig it. That's for sure. <laughs> dig it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's me, folks. Yeah. This is well how done. you know that I'm not like a, a doppelganger of myself, that I'm not an evil version of myself, because only the normal me would say stuff like that. Uh -huh. But uh, that's my what, way. What, I, what would the evil version of you do? How would we know? Um, I dug it. I the know. evil... The evil version uses PC. Yeah. Well, I enjoyed right. it on Windows. And yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't enjoy anything on Windows, frankly. Yeah. Um, hey, and you know, not to be a hater, but my experience, I I work a lot better with Macs. Have been for a long time. I use a That's PC cool. every day at work, and it you drives me nuts half the time. But I'm not even gonna say it's PC. I think it's just Microsoft Windows itself, the OS. I just don't care for. People who do production stuff use Macs. Makes that's sense. true. Well, that's part of how I got into it. So I know. Um, but yeah, so let's move on uh, to the other game, which I, I'm not even going to mention much. It's uh, The Walking Dead Season 2, Episode 1. Finally came out uh, just in late December, and I was so geeked to uh, play it after you know falling in love with, with the first game. And of course, you know I got to play that game, all five episodes back to back to back. And uh, that was a great experience. 
I almost wanted to wait all year just so I could do that again this fall, but I don't have it in me to wait. And, uh, you know, it, I, I guess I don't want to go into it too much because it's so story-driven and so heavy that I don't want to spoil anything, especially when people may not get a chance to play it till later, you know. They might be waiting like I was considering. But, you know, it does pick up where the first game le leaves off, and uh, it's it's similar, but... Well, yeah, I mean, it is similar. It, it, it's a new story. I mean, that's the core difference. Uh, how you select options and stuff is slightly uh, kind of revamped and stuff. But, um, you know, if you're a fan of the first one, you're going to be a fan of this one for sure. If you were lukewarm on the first one, you're probably going to be lukewarm on this one too. Um, it really is so story-driven that uh, it's fully dependent on it, I think. They're not trying to, to change the mold. You know that they've created for themselves. They're they're just trying to enhance upon it. And as far as my critique of the first story, it uh, it was interesting. There was definitely a hard moment or two where I honestly wanted to flinch away from the screen for a sec, or that I didn't want to make the choice, um, which is good. I mean, I think that the fact that the game does that to me is is a plus because not a lot of games do. You know, I don't cringe every time I jump on a Goomba's head. Uh, it doesn't really do that to me, so um, it's interesting, and I'm really looking forward to the rest. I'm intrigued by the, I think it's called The Wolf Among Us, which is kind of like the similar vein of, of gameplay and game, but but it's based on a whole different kind of comic and everything that I've never even heard of, so I don't know. Andrew, uh, you're not playing, you're still on the first season, right? Um, I finished the first season. Okay. Do you... Uh, do you feel that you're going to jump into the second at some point, maybe when there's more episodes, or are you just kind of done with that whole thing? Um, I'll probably play the second season, but I'm fine with just waiting until it's one big package. Yeah. In a way, I am too, because I did have a lot of fun with episode one. I was so eager to see what was going to happen next, and now that it's kind of started, I probably honestly could wait to the end. Not that I'm not excited to see what's going to happen, but... I know the kind of payoff that I'll get from just experiencing it as one big eight-hour story, but uh, but I don't know. And, you know, I am trying to... Oh, actually, that doesn't matter. I was going to say I'm trying to save money and not buy so many games this year because uh, I have a lot of other big things going on that I'm trying to save money for, but I bought this as a uh, season pass, so I'm going to get them downloaded anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think if... If it's a series, like, I'm not sure that I would go through all of them. Maybe I'd just buy the first episode. Like, there's that Wolf Among Us that's kind of interesting to me, but I don't know if I... I don't know anything about it yet, so maybe I would just buy one episode just to check it out. Well, but for that, in this case... Well, in this case, I know I'll probably just play through all of them anyway, so I might as well wait. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to make one quick um, note for... I don't think this has changed, but for some reason, with the wolf, the wolf Among Us, you have to buy the season. You can't buy it episode by episode. So. Well, I meant. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Really. So you couldn't just buy episode one right now. You'd have to buy pay twenty five bucks or whatever to get or twenty bucks or however much it is, and buy the whole season, and then you'll just get them downloaded to you. Me and uh, Post Squadron were talking about that over the holiday and how kind of weird that is, but he's enjoying that game so. Well, in that case, I'd definitely wait on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. wait till you know, see how the whole arc really pays off. Because if it has a strong first episode, but then the rest suck, you know, it's not going to really feel like it's worth your your value, your money. So I think that's that's fair to wait. 
Um, and at least The Walking Dead Season 2 has the first season to kind of go off of. So, like I said, it's very dependent on that, though. Yeah. So, so all right. Um, with that, I think we can probably take a quick break here, guys, and uh, then we'll come back and have some sort of discussion um, about the Super Mario cartoons and the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. So, hang tight. <laughs> Paisanos, uh, we're back, and so it was brought to my attention that, you know, when we had our special intro and outro with the last episode, uh, that we didn't really clarify it, and, and that was kind of intentional. Um, the late Danny Wells, who played Luigi on the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, he passed away, I believe it was November, and, you know, that's a really sad thing to hear. Um, yeah, it was late November. So it was, it was a sad thing to find out, and uh, of course, Captain Lou Albano, or Albano Albano, I don't know how to say his last name, but Captain Lou, he passed away in 2009, and so both of those guys are, you know, are not in this world anymore, and uh, so to pay homage to that, or homage, or however the hell that word's pronounced, um, <laughs> I'm just picking all these great words here, so to, to pay respects to him, and, and to Captain Lou, we decided, you know, let's just have some negative worlders record their their versions of the show uh, theme song and outro song and uh, I'll just cut them together it'll be sloppy it'll be you know just for the fun of it and then we'll use that as an intro and outro but we didn't explain anything of it because we had a packed show anyway and I kind of wanted it to just be a random thing that you know people would just assume oh maybe that's why they did it but then it was brought to my attention you know maybe I should explain that more and I thought you know it'd be fun to talk about those shows and pay a little bit more respect to these guys and and I almost feel like an ass because uh you know when um Nintendo's old president Yamaguchi Yamauchi, right? Yamaguchi was like a ice skater or something. I forget. Anyway, huh? um that is correct, right? Yamauchi? No, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well when he passed recently, um we didn't do too much for him, so it's kinda of funny that we're we're going with these um uh Italian and Canadian actors, but um, but still, so I just wanted to bring that that up. Um, in fact, Andrew, I believe you have a special surprise for us. Is that I might. Um... We do have a special uh, surprise, which will. Uh, you know what? Do you want to just play it right now? Andrew decided to uh, to do something special for us based on what we had done in the last episode. So uh, so here's that. 
We're the Mario Brothers at Plumbing's our game. We're not like the others, we get all the fame. If you think it's in trouble, you can call us on the double. We're faster than the others, you'll be hooked on the brothers. You're in for a treat, so hang on to your seat. Get ready for adventure and remarkable feet. You'll meet Koopas, the Troopas, the Princess, and the others. Hanging with the plumbers, you'll be hooked on the brothers. To the So that was Zero's uh, fun little song there that he edited for us. So uh, thank you, Andrew, for that. And um, there should be a download link in the actual uh, podcast thread uh, for this episode. So if you want a copy of your own, go for it. Uh, he he and I and everyone would love you to have it. So uh, let's jump in then to our discussion. I don't know what you guys have in terms of history with this show. We'll start with the Super Mario Brothers Super Show because that was first chronologically, but there were three different like cartoons that Mario had back in the early uh, 90s and late 80s. There was the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, which had live-action segments paired with cartoons, and actually every Friday was a Zelda cartoon as opposed to a Mario one, so that was kind of, uh, kind of a weird mishmash. You'd have Mario and Luigi doing live-action skits, then it would cut to Zelda, but you know that's just how Nintendo worked. They had a Mario plus Zelda serial, so it just makes sense. And I missed that serial hev- uh, heavily, but uh, then there was the Adventures of Super Mario Brothers 3, which was strictly a cartoon and strictly about uh, the Super Mario Brothers 3 assets, the music, the characters, you know, all those kind of things. But the stories were pretty much the same as the cartoon from the previous uh, show. And then after that, Super Mario World came out, the Adventures of Super Mario World, I believe it was called, and... Um, you know, that uh pretty much just another evolution. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later, but uh, the the other the Mario 3 and the Mario World cartoons were paired with Captain N, which I'm sure people recognize that. And that was about a guy who pretty much had an NES blaster, and he got sucked into his TV, and he started, you know, kicking ass and taking names. Uh, he wasn't Reggie, though. Um, <laughs> but uh, And that had, like, uh, Pit from Kid Icarus in there that had... Um, Mega Man in Mega there, Man. Uh, a talking Game Boy. Like, that was really kind of a Nintendo-infused um, thing with not just first-party characters either, which was kind of fascinating. And um, Well, back then, didn't it, it, that was the world where the idea of third-party like was not a concept that people even thought yeah, of. It's that's a like, fair point. You're right, because Mega Man wasn't on anything else because there was nothing else really for exactly, it. To exactly. So, fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. But, uh, so, yeah, so there were the three different Mario cartoons or whatever. Um, some basic facts about the Mario Brothers Super Show. It aired only from September 89 through December 89, so it only aired for like half a season of what we would consider a season, and yet there was a ton of episodes, and growing up I remember feeling this show had must have run its course for like years and years, but apparently it was just rerun after rerun, you know, which is probably the, the case with most cartoons when you're growing up, but uh, Captain Lou Albano was Mario. And he had a long history in the wrestling world. And then you got Danny Wells as Luigi. And uh, I swear I wrote down his actual name. Because Danny Wells is his more or less a stage name that, that he got. Um, 
But I did not write it down. What? I saw it. I read it. Anyway, I'm sorry. Captain Danny <laughs> Albino. No, um, but Danny Wells as we know him. Uh, Jack Westelman, perhaps? That sounds right. I I, I appreciate that. So, yep. so yeah, so Captain Lou, he was uh, he was born in Rome, Italy, and he came to uh, the States, and he did a lot of wrestling stuff with the WWF back when it was called the WWF. And um, he actually became good friends with uh, Cindy Lauper, I believe, <laughs> um, which is just kind of a random... Uh, fact. He was in a, a music video of hers in, in the early 80s, and this was when his kind of image was reformed after he had kind of left wrestling, and that's when he got into the Mario gig, and I think he played Mario really well. I mean, it, it's so goofy, but the way that him and Danny both played their characters was so charming. I mean, as, as an adult today, the cartoons may not stand up, but I can totally appreciate the uh, the live-action segments. I mean, did you guys you guys watched uh, some recently? I asked you guys to just check it out again, just to refresh your memories. Mm-hmm. I mean, do well, you guys agree? D- well, <laughs> I, I think they, they put themselves into the roles, which is respectable, and that's what you need for something like this. You know what I mean? Yeah, they threw themselves in, and they just unabashedly played the roles. <laughs> yep. You know, I, yep. I read that uh, that a lot of the acting was actually ad-libbed as well, and they would be given a vague plot, um, which is also known as how every cartoon went. Pretty much like, Koopa, you know, is a mermaid now, and there you go. Um, but they would have a vague plot that involved a, a, a guest star, and then they would just pretty much ad-lib the hell out of it. So it was Kirby Enthusiasm for the 89, just so you guys know. Um, that's obviously false, but... Uh, I don't know, I mean... I, I loved it. I loved it as a kid, and I loved it when I rewatched it. For years, I've actually had a bunch of it on DVD, and I just found out that there's actually a second volume that I never had. Uh, I have to make sure. I mean, I don't know if they're from the same company, so i got to make sure I wouldn't be doubling up on episodes, but I still think there's something charming about it. Something Maybe, maybe it's because I'm you know a baby of the 80s. I was born in the mid-80s and everything, and uh, there's just something about how cartoons and how... Um, entertainment for children was done back then that I at least don't understand as well now for how like my nephews are taken care of cartoon wise. Um, I don't know. It like, like the episode that I had watched, I'll, I'll describe it a little bit. was called two bums from Brooklyn. Well, actually it was called Mario of the deep, but that was the cartoon, but then they had a skit two bums from Brooklyn. So the episode starts and you have Mario and Luigi who are just talking about, uh, some baseball star. They're just talking about baseball in general. They're throwing meatballs in their, uh, pretty much the guys exist in a Brooklyn plumbing shop. That's also like their home, I guess. And it kind of looks like PB's playhouse meets Mario. Um, I remember they, they had like a furnace that kind of would talk on occasion or at least it would move on its own. And, um, and a bunch of other weird stuff that just, you really got to just watch the show to, to see it's so funny. And, um, Maybe not in like a truly funny way, but funny in like a I can't believe this existed kind of way. Yeah, but I uh, think you know again all, all that it goes. It's when you have a time when there's no like uh, established fiction, so you know people are just sort of like, yeah, they could have a furnace that talks. Why not? You know, and that's a really big staple of the show is that none of it's really canon at all. I mean, here, Mario and Luigi, they're throwing meatballs and pretending to be baseball players, kind of one-up each other. And Captain Lou is doing some really crazy... It looks like he's playing Wii Fit. 
Like he's doing the hula hoop moves. He's uh-huh. he's just so animated and overly so. Um, and then you have these like little sound effects that make it sound like he's going crazy. He's winding up fast, but you can tell he's just so slow, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he throws a meatball, and even though it's an enclosed place underground, because you can see in the windows of the uh, the the high windows on the top of the ceiling or near the ceiling, you can in one episode I remember you see feet moving around. So mm-hmm. it's implied that you know you take like a stairway down into this place. Right. So they throw right. a meatball off screen, and then. After they talk a little bit more, some guy who was an actor back in the 80s, and I, I didn't think he was in anything too notable, so I, I don't really uh, know too much about the guy, but um, he comes in with a meatball in his mouth that apparently it landed in his mouth, and I was like, hey, guys, like, it's so ridiculous, <laughs> but I, I'm charmed like hell, and that's just because I'm a big Nintendo fan who grew up during that age. I understand that it's not for everybody. But he shows up, and he's got the meatball in his mouth, and then it cuts to a cartoon, and this one was called, uh, like I said, Mario the Deep. And it has Barracoopa, who is the villain, and it's, you know, King Koopa, who is kind of like a merman-type guy, and the plot is pretty much a mer-mushroom. is chased by a blooper, which they call a blooper octopus. So they kind of reference the game, but yet they don't. Uh-huh. Uh, but Mario, you know, Mario and Luigi use plungers to fight it off. And and then you know as I was, I was watching this, did they ever hold a plunger in their entire lives? Has there ever been a game where plungers were actually used ever anywhere? I not that I can think of. I don't think and so. That, that was one of the things I wanted to comment on because even even in the cartoon sections, not just the live action sections, you know, they there would be things like uh, like you know they'll just be carrying around plum or um, plungers and you know using you know wrenches and things that plumbers would use and so i feel like when they put the show together you know they kind of one thing that i think tends to happen sometimes is they're like they set out to make a good show right but Mm. they don't necessarily feel beholden to this idea of making a good mario show because again that concept doesn't really exist yet so for them they have a few facts on a sheet of paper right and it says okay mario brothers italian plumbers from Brooklyn. They're like, Captain Lou, he was Italian, he knows. And, just... <laughs> and then they just build the show off of that. So that's why, like, oh, Italians, okay, well, they eat meatballs, so mm. we'll have a show where they're throwing meatballs. And and two, I mean, a lot of it seemed heavily, like, kind of influenced by the Japanese in some way. Not that this, you know, like Power Rangers was a Japanese show that we dubbed in English and kind of they would film, you know, American kids doing certain scenes to cover for it. But uh, but the Mario cartoon references uh, King Koopa or Bowser as Koopa, which is definitely uh, more of a Japanese term, even though I think, you know, maybe some uh, American games have called him that. But he's known as Bowser a lot here, you know. And, uh, I, you know, I don't really have him uh, at my fingertips, but there are other examples of, them using Japanese names for things as opposed to the American versions. And um, so I really feel like, yeah, these American writers just had so little to go off. Yeah, it, it reminds me of if you were to take, like, an instruction manual from those times <laughs> right. and, and make a show out of it. Hey, this is like, your that's the kind of Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, because even, even a lot of the artwork in the animated portions it just it reminds me of back when you would have like an 8-bit version of something and ask some artist to draw it for the manual 
and you get something that, yeah, of course it looks similar. It's got similar properties. I wonder if that but... Mega Man from the first box art somewhere in there. <laughs> but yep. they, they took a lot of liberties. Like Toad, I noticed, uh, always has like squeaky sounds. And I remember noticing that as a, as a kid too. But when he bounces, if he lands, it's oh, yeah. this weird like squeak toy. Like a squeak toy, yeah. yeah and it's like, really, I didn't know Toad was squeaky, you know? That's um, a good point. But I was, I was actually going to compliment them on... Don't you feel like Toad's voice is like this kind of like Perfect. higher, shrill kind of thing, which is actually what became Toad's voice? Yeah, yeah. What, a decade later when they finally gave Toad voice, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so no, did... I, I think that his voice is actually really good. Do you and think actually, that that like was Bowser's total story. luck, or do you think that the when it came time for Nintendo to give Toad a voice, they were like, I kind of like what the Americans did with that cartoon? I could totally see that as being the case. <laughs> because and this is part of the reason because uh over the course of the three cartoons only the voice of Toad and only the voice of King Koopa stayed the same. Mm. Uh you know I have their names here somewhere I believe. Um Let's see Harvey Atkin played King Koopa in all three of the series and uh John Stocker was the voice of Toad. And actually, he was the voice of, like, Koopa Troopas, Bezo, Mauser, Flurry, Ugtar from the Mario World 1. Um, but those were the two consistent ones, and then the rest did change. And maybe mm. that could be contractual, you know, hey, this guy doesn't want to stick around and do it. Maybe Captain Lou didn't want to do the, the voice for the cartoons that he wasn't acting in. But uh, there's a reason that they kept him, you know. And I think that is because they were really good. They were well done. And I, and I think that Nintendo could have borrowed from that for sure. Why not? You know, it doesn't seem outlandish to me. Um, I guess to finish the basic uh, plot that I'd written down, you know, so he just, he fights off the bloopers with the plungers, and then they swim away from, uh, uh, past some piranha plants. Oh, no, okay, so they were captured by Koopa anyway, and it was a very slow-moving plot. I mean, the whole thing was just not that exciting, but it totally would have excited me as a kid, you know. But they had, you know, so many Mario references, like, I probably wouldn't have given a damn what the plot was, because they had bloopers, King Koopa, uh, they had, yep. like, airship-looking ships, shipwrecks in the water, but they looked like the airships from Mario 3, in a sense. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the music was referential from the game. In the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, they had Super Mario Bros. 2 music sampled often. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I totally dig it, and I, I don't know, I loved it. Um yeah, you touched on it a little bit with uh, when Mario was winding up, but I uh, I find I found it entertaining how even in the live action segments, but also in the animated bits, that anytime they needed a sound effect, it seemed like they would try to work in something vaguely from the video game, mm-hmm. you know? something that could have been from the game. Yeah, well, either something that was, but maybe they didn't recreate it perfectly, or yeah, or could have been something that sounded eight bit. Well, like uh, mm-hmm. when they jump. You know, they make a noise. Yep, yep, yep. And it sounds like Mario making a jump in Mario Brothers, you know, for the NES. You know, so it, yep. I, I did appreciate the effort that went into for making references, at least. You know, yep. they may not have spent a lot of time on it, but they definitely seemed like they wanted it to be, without a doubt, a Mario cartoon. Well, and we, you know, it's almost funny because as kids of our generation, it's a little sad that now we can make observations as kids of our generation, but anyway. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, for us, and I know this was a reason why I watched the show, and you touched on it a minute ago, was that it was just 
something you could see that had to do with Mario Brothers when you weren't playing Mario Brothers. Mm-hmm. And that, and that, and it didn't really even need to go much further than that. So I used to, this was back when like, you know, I didn't have a Nintendo yet. Uh, so, so for me to even just get something that had to do with Mario Brothers, I remember that the show was on, the times when I was able to catch it was like really, really early before I would go to school. I don't remember exactly why, but that was the only time when I could watch the show. And, but I didn't have to get up that early for school. So the only times I would see it was when I happened to wake up a little bit early, like a little earlier than usual. And then I would run downstairs and I, like I've seen the ending credits hundreds of times more than I've seen any episode of the show because I would always, I would always get there like, you know, at five fifty-five or whatever it was. You do the Mario the show and you go to, to go to school. Yeah, pretty much. But so, but for me, it was like, it was worth it for that effort because it was just something video game related. And that was, and that was it. Now, you know, nowadays, yeah, I don't think anyone could relate to that because if you want exposure to something, it's all on the internet, you know, and not only is it all there, but somewhere there's a quality version of it. So you don't need to settle for uh, shy guys that don't really look like shy guys and Mm -hmm. things like that. But, but this was darn good enough. Actually in the adventures of super Mario brothers three, I made a note that peach looks like Popeye. Like she's so horribly drawn in in a lot of instances. Uh Um, Andrew, before I continue with, you know, just random notes that I have here, uh, what was your experience, you know, watching the show? Did you, did you catch it as uh, a youngin? Yeah. Um, as a kid, I used to love this show. I'm trying to remember. I think I'm a bit older than you guys might be a little bit. Some, I don't remember how old I was exactly when this show came out. I vaguely remember that by the time the Super Mario World show came around, I wasn't really watching it anymore. Maybe sure. I thought I was too old or whatever. So most of my experience was from the original or from the Super Mario 3 one. But yeah, like Joe said, I think a lot of it just had to do with like it had the elements of these games I loved. And especially when the Super Mario 3 show came out, like every little... Because I think Super Mario 3 has these really like iconic songs and these iconic... Like some, the worlds, that's when like the, the, the worlds first started becoming really defined in Mario games. You have the desert and the, the big world and the water world and like all this stuff that they worked into the games and like, oh, this is an episode in the, the, the water world. This is awesome. And they have the music from the water world and, you know, it's, it really pulled together. Yeah. The f- with- I was just going to say, uh, the Super Show didn't really, I mean, it did pull from games, but, the, the next two cartoons were based off the game, so they pulled so much more from the actual games themselves. Yeah, the Super Mario 3 one, I especially remember. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the airships and, like, all the music from the shows and stuff. But with that said, like, um, it was actually last Christmas, I think, I bought a bunch of these episodes for my nieces and nephews for uh, Christmas. Because I saw they were, like, in a bin somewhere, like, $4 each. That's each, where you find them, yeah. <laughs> each DVD had, like, I don't know, five, six episodes on it or whatever. So it was from all the different shows. So I got them some of the originals, some of the Mario 3, and some of the Mario World. And we were just sitting there watching it. And I'm like, it's not that good of a show. Like, none of these were good shows. Like, 
to contrast that with like, I, you know, like I said, I just got the Darkwing Duck DVDs for Christmas. I'm watching that show again for the first time in years. Like, that's still a good show to me. You know, I'm still watching it. I'm yeah. like, wow, this was such a clever show. And like, even stuff I probably didn't get as a kid, these little like references that I, that I wouldn't have understood when I was younger. And now, I, but when I went back to the Mario shows, I'm just like, this is kind of like not a good show. Do you feel like you know? they were catered to the same child audience? Or do you think that Darkwing Duck was aimed at a bit more of a mature child, like, you know, a, a nine or ten child as opposed to like a four, five, or six, like maybe the Mario cartoons could have been? You're I, right, I, Mario I, is not very sophisticated. I'm really not sure. I, I, I suspect it's just the, the level of production, though. I mean, Darkwing Duck was Disney, so they had this big, sure. uh, um, relatively Money, big yeah. budget, I'm sure, yeah. and they could get all these high-profile voice actors and stuff like I, I actually what was i just reading like the megavolt was voiced by the guy who does homer simpson in the simpsons oh, really? and really? a bunch of other simpson voices so like they huh. got all these big name voice actors and you know they had a bigger budget so i'm sure it's just a whole different level of production you know but i mean i still it's still fun to watch the mario shows just to kind of nostalgic reasons it's it's hard for me to actually like feel like I want to seek them out and watch them again though like I, I would some other cartoons yeah. yeah I mean it's interesting because I do have like I said this big DVD set with maybe 25 it probably is the whole damn series because the Super Mario Brothers Super Show only aired for that one you know September through December season and uh, I've never yet watched every one of them for, for when I first got it I was watching them back to back and then I was like you know I have other things I want to watch. I love, you know, I like the show. I love the show because I'm nostalgic for it, but it's just, it's not actually up to the caliber that I want to continue to sit here and, and do this. So I've watched them with my nephews a little bit. And then I was watching some, uh, just to kind of refresh my memory on this. And, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll continue to do it. I, I definitely have the super show most fresh in my head. I, I didn't really get a chance to keep up on the Mario three and the Mario world cartoons, which again are, the same caliber. I'm not missing anything by by not having been uh, a big watcher of those, but uh, it's something I can definitely see myself diving back into. Now that I have a DVD of of like a mix of them and everything, and I think I might seek out the DVDs eventually to get the whole series, just so my kids can be subjected to this. You know, someday. Uh, just like you know, people collect the Disney films, and of course, I know that's different, but. They collect them, even if they don't want to watch them, just so that way they have them, because that's what they grew up watching. So I totally want to want to do that for my kids in the future. And uh, they're, well, my, they're totally gonna love you for that. I think they will. <laughs> I think they will. I mean, my niece, my nieces and nephews are all like young. Like I think the oldest is like eight, and then they're down to like almost newborn, and they all enjoyed it. And yeah. I mean, they they grew up on Mario because of me, basically. So these aren't unfamiliar characters they know all the characters and everything so they got into it it, it works for kids they That's don't good. need big the complicated colors, plots effects, yeah simple plots i think they uh i mean and the dialogue i think is something that kids will love because it's so cheesy like if you guys think i'm cheesy on this podcast uh-uh. um I, I wrote down a few quotes uh like when barracoopa captures the hippie under the sea king i forgot his actual name but he's like what are you what are the uh what the cooper are you talking about and are you a man or a mouser? You know, like crap like that. Come on. <laughs> this is so like silly and, and horribly written, but I mean, it, it's like back of a napkin written, you know, but yet 
again, I can find the charm and all that. Um, the episode that I watched had the special guest Joe Bellin, who, again, I'm not sure what he's done. He did some voice acting for some Godfather video games recently in the past couple of years, but he was in a bunch of movies. Nothing, again, ever that notable. Uh, he was never actually in any Godfather... Um, pardon my dog. Uh, never in any Godfather movies that I could tell, so I don't know why he was doing voices for... Well, I guess it's not like it's exclusive, but still. Um, so I don't know... I guess I kept, my dog's kind of distracting me, so I guess I lost my train of thought, but... Uh, the show did have a ton of guest actors now that I, I mentioned it. Um, Eve Plum, who played Jan Brady, she was on there. Not as Jan Brady, I don't think. <laughs> uh, Danica McKellar, who was Winnie Cooper from The Wonder Years. Uh, Nicole Eggert, who later would go on to do Baywatch, but at this time she was known for uh, Jamie Powell in Charles in Charge. Um, Winston Zettermore from Ghostbusters, played by Ernie Hudson. That guy was in it. Who's also from Michigan, by the way. I didn't know that. Um, until yesterday, but, uh, and then the last guy I'll mention here was in an episode that I loved. I think it's the Coopzilla one, but it's the one that I watched the most growing up because I actually had the VHS of the one copy. And nice. it was, uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper from Captain Lou's wrestling days. And he's just kind of zany, um, rough, almost like a biker dude type wrestler guy. And he probably is like a totally nice guy, uh, in, you know, in real life, but, um, he played a really hilarious version of himself on on the cartoon, and I have a lot of respect for that, frankly. But um, so I mean, there there was a spinoff, actually, believe it or not, of the Super Mario Brothers Super Show that was only aired in Southern California. I think it was L.A., and it was called King Koopa's Cool Cartoons, and those are all with K's. It involved a live action Koopa, and a and an audience, and then he would pretty much host almost like I think uh American or America's funniest home video style, you know? And then he would just cut to a cartoon. This sounds amazing. But look if you look it up, you, you there's at least there's not a lot of uh content of it online. I I actually should have searched, but I didn't see any videos in the brief searching I did. But there's screenshots. And so you can see just how this Koopa looked and it actually is not like it's well done, but it's pretty intricate. They actually made him to have like a quite a quite a detailed face and everything, just because uh, it had to be a you know a facial mask. But um, that's pretty amazing, you know. And I guess just to give props, it was played by Chris Collins, uh, who I think is also deceased right now um, at a young age, in a sad story. But uh, later played by Patrick Pinney. Um, no, I don't know who those guys are either. Do you? <laughs> but um, but yeah. So uh, I guess. Unless you guys have anything else to say, I can throw in just a couple other random facts that I, I took. Um, I did watch an episode of the Mario 3 show, and I I do remember watching Captain N a little bit. I would love to find those DVDs as well. Um, they're just as bad, but... <laughs> That's the show that even, like, you know, as I was saying, you know, they would take some liberties with the Mario stuff. I mean, talk about taking liberties to the point where even back in the day, I would watch Captain Ann again because it had anything to do with video games. But even back in the day, I was just like, I don't think that's what Mega Man talks like. Captain you know? Captain N was the first NES remix. <laughs> it really was. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, I, I, I referenced, um, well, oh, sorry, I guess I'm not talking about Captain N here, but uh, the cartoon quality of Mario 3, though, was almost like a downgrade. It was interesting. They must have had different animators because the characters weren't drawn with as much care. 
and the Koopa Kids, for instance, uh, Lemmy and Iggy were in the episode that I watched. It was called Mind Your Mummy, Mommy, Mario. Uh, the Koopa Kids were drawn pretty badly, and like I said, Peach looked like Popeye. Um, but, you know, they had a lot of cool stuff that, again, I just wouldn't have cared how they looked because they had Paragoombas, and they had uh, uh, raccoon tail power-ups, and I heard the World 8 music when, you know, shit was getting real. And uh, it was it was just really cool. It's a fun experience, almost just as an older guy now um, who could look back and say, oh, I remember that's from that part of the game, that's from that part of the game, you know, because I know the game so intimately at this point. Mm. So that was pretty cool. And, and and I know, Andrew, you said that was one you really got into, but you didn't get into Mario World. I don't remember why, though. It might, I, I don't well, think, I think I, know. I gave... Well, I don't think I, I, don't think I gave up on the game... The, games the show so much is maybe out of them. it was on at a different time than i was yeah. able to see them at that point in my life or well and two uh like mario 3 took place between september 1990 and december 1990 so then one year exactly after and then actually mario world was another year after that so all three of these shows took place within three years of each other and in the september to december segment of of the year but uh their syndication was all over the place. I mean, I remember seeing it paired up with the Archie cartoon and stuff like that. And um, so I think, yeah, it might have been hard to actually catch the show at a certain point. But also, I would not doubt if you blocked Mario World out of your memory just because, you know, they brought in Yoshi, which was pretty cool, actually. Although he had kind of like a Jar Jar Binks annoying voice. So mm-hmm. I can see where people would just want to frickin throw him into a lava pit of uh, dinosaur land which is where the uh the, the show took place but um it took they they took the dinosaur land idea almost too far i guess you can almost say that the game took place in a dinosaur land at least world 6 which was like what choco mountain or something like that or some sort of well that's a mario kart level but you know what i'm talking about uh where they have some dinosaurs in the in the game in the levels yeah, it's uh, before you get to the you know Bowser sunken ship and that whole section, um, and there's a ton of uh, you know secret exits and stuff in that part of the game. But the 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 plot of Super Mario World took place in a dinosaur caveman time, which makes no sense at all. I mean, less sense than even the Mushroom Kingdom does. And they had another character, which was I think a first for the Mario cartoons, that was uh, a main character but not actually from the games, and his name was Ugtar which is more or less a poor man's bonk. But he was just this big-headed, kind of dumb caveman guy. Um, and then they also renamed areas. So, nothing, like, they referenced the games a lot. But in where Mario 3 would reference Paragoombas and call them Paragoombas or something. Um, here, Koopas were just called Troopas. Uh, Charge and Chucks were called football players or something. At least that's, that's the notes that I saw. I didn't actually hear that because I didn't get a chance to watch a new episode of this. Uh, or an episode of this newly, um, but uh, but I guess they did a lot of you know took a lot of liberties doing that. So I mean that's kind of a letdown, but I guess at this point, uh, you know, what do you expect that they've they're on their third season of Mario cartoons, and you can only mine that well so long, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I want to take a second, unless you guys know it off the top of your head, uh, Super Mario World, when, when did that come out? 92 or 3? Because mm. I thought it was, 
more like 92. No? Oh, wow. Okay, 1990. November 21st, 1990. Um, so, okay, so I was going to say, because I was kind of confused. I thought it did come out later. And, uh, and Wait, the... Super Mario World, the game? Yes. Is that in Japan, though? Or, uh, let me click the drop down. Because the Super Nintendo, I thought Super Nintendo didn't even released to like 91, 92. Oh, you're right. Yep. It was November 21st, 1990 in Japan, 91, uh, August in America. So that puts the game had, the game had just come out a month before. So I feel like they might have been making these episodes without knowing too much about the, the <laughs> game. You know, no one, they probably even played a copy of the American version <laughs> at this point. So, that probably explains why they had so many liberties, mm-hmm. you know. But I mean, again, it's it's all in good fun. It is what it is. I I think a lot of people would argue that it's better than the movie. Although I don't think <laughs> the movie's that bad. If as long as you don't assume the movie has to have Goombas that are actually proper height and without harmonicas. <laughs> but uh, if, if you if you accept a Goomba could have a harmonica, then I think the movie can be a fun experience. Um. I am looking forward to the comic, though. Have you guys heard about that? No. Um, there's a, a group of people, I have a link somewhere on my desktop, I think, uh, who are making a sequel to the Mario movie in comic form because there's that cliffhanger ending at the end of the movie where, um, spoiler alert, but where Daisy comes back and says, hey, Mario, you need to, you know, you and Luigi got to come do this. We got to save the world again. And then they're like, oh, we're on it. And then that's when it cuts. You know, I, I don't know if they actually intended to make a sequel or not, but there's a comic book version of it coming out. So, um, wow. that's pretty badass, actually. It'll probably be better than the movie because it'll have true fans trying to do it justice, you know. Not trying to make any money off it, just trying to pay respects to the, to the series. So, I guess really quickly, I just want to ask you guys to sum up here and finish up. Do you think that a Mario cartoon could last or or function in today's world with all these other consoles, all these other franchises, do you think that Nintendo could pull that stunt with one of their franchises, Mario or otherwise? A Pikmin cartoon or something? Or well, do you think that that, t- that era is over? I don't see why not. Uh, they, they actually did have the Kirby cartoon fairly recently and that was pretty successful as far as I know. States? Oh yeah. Yeah, Kirby oh, right yeah. back at you or something like that. Yeah, I love the name. All right. Yeah, um I don't know how recent that was. Maybe it's been a while ago now. But it was it was semi successful from what I know. It was kind of actually strange to me because I was like how you know, not that Kirby's not popular, but I was like why would they not do Mario? They instead went with Kirby, which is a little less popular of a franchise. Sure. But um, yeah, that that did well, okay. Maybe they're worried about damaging the image, and Kirby they don't mind as much. I don't know. Um, or maybe it just tested well. You know. In fact, we actually I actually watched a few episodes with my nieces and nephews of the Kirby this Christmas because I bought them the Kirby collection for the Wii, mm-hmm. and. When they found out there were videos on it, that's all they wanted to do was watch the video. It only had like three, it had three episodes of the TV show. Mm-hmm. It was just a little like teaser. You know, here's a couple episodes, three random episodes. But that's what we did for an hour on uh, Christmas because <laughs> they didn't actually want to sit down and play the game. They just wanted to watch the videos. That's funny. 
You know, well, I mean, that's a good point, then. That's cool to notice. I didn't know that. Um, did either of you watch the Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon from back in the day? Yes, I did. Which, I'm sure then you know, Joe, I just have a feeling you might, but Jaheel White, who played Urkel, was the guy who voiced Sonic. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I know. And I that's think he did an ass. excellent job. I think so, too. I love the Sonic cartoon. Yeah. Now, which one are you referring to when you say the Sonic cartoon? Well, I know that there were There other... was two primarily, like, at the same time in that era. Wait, they were... In, like, they weren't the simultaneous, were they? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, then I, I never differentiated as a kid, I guess. So which one are you talking about? Hell if I know. I mean, I know that there was one <laughs> where he had like a brown bunny friend. And yeah. And it was like yeah. a lot more metal, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. The one where, yeah, it was a, a bunch of different animal friends, yeah, right? Yeah, And Robotnik uh, didn't look quite like he did in the game, right? He had like this, these like huge metal shoulder pads or something. Yeah. and Almost like yeah. Dr. Claw-esque. Yeah, that was the... I believe much better cartoon. Now, did so. he eat? A, was he obsessed with chili dogs in that one? Uh, or was that I, the first one he loved chili dogs? Because I know that one of them in every episode he was in love with chili right, dogs. Right, right. The other one, I know that he was obsessed with chili dogs. I don't know if he was with this one. Okay, you know what? I'm I'm on you know Wikipedia, the, the most amazing site that may or may not be true. Uh, yep. I'm looking at the two things. You're right. The Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog was the first. And then uh, Sonic the Hedgehog by itself was the second. I loved right. them both. I mean, I know again. I'm I'm just so you can, I'm so pleased by pretty much anything, I guess. But yeah, uh, I did think that the first one was charming in its own way. It is it is a lot more cartoony. Robotnik is yeah. more like um, the Coyote from the Roadrunner cartoons. Yes, you know? He's yes. More like I was gonna say I was gonna say they're more Looney Tunes esque, yeah. and that it's more like. You know, how can we use these uh, these characters? How can we use these as pieces for setting up these slapstick kind of Looney Tunes scenarios? And that's basically mostly all that show was. But uh, but I still liked watching it, of course. Yeah. So. But the other one was like actually a show with a plot, and you know, not a super complex plot or anything, but. You know, there would be some some level of trying to care for about the characters and development from episode to episode, and yeah, right. I mean, so yeah, maybe we can talk about those cartoons uh, another time because I think they'd be fun. But um, <laughs> we do got to wrap it up here. Uh, uh, so I guess not to extend our conversation too much longer. Uh, I would totally love to see, you know, maybe some new Nintendo cartoons, even as an adult, but. Uh, but I think everyone should go check out all these old ones we've mentioned because there's uh-huh. something to it. It's it's silly, but it's it's history right there. And uh, just real quick, I looked this up real quick online. Uh, the Kirby ran in um, America from 2002 all the way up to 2009. I'm sure some of that was wow. just reruns, <laughs> and it had a hundred episodes, so it was around for a while. Yeah. And, I mean, it originally broadcast in Japan, so it was a Japanese cartoon brought over to America. Yeah. It's a pretty good show. We have some of those on DVD, actually. It's a fairly recent show. I mean, not super recent, but like even into the Wii, Wii era, it was still going. So. Yeah. GameCube, GameCube Wii era TV show. All right. Uh, 
well, okay, so again, rest in peace, you know, Captain Lou, and rest in peace, Danny Wells, or Jack, uh, you know, as you got his actual name correct. Yep. Um, you know, they're they're gone, but not forgotten, and uh, I think that they'll live on in, in their own little infamy, you know, because of that. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, that wraps up another episode of the Negative World Podcast, I think, guys. Um, we'd love if you would comment on, uh, you know, what you've heard, and you can do that at negativeworld.org. Uh, simply find the thread associated to the episode. If you don't want to subscribe to Negative World, you can reach us through the Facebook page. Just got to search for negativeworld.org. Or you can also follow us on Twitter at negative underscore world. And, uh, I mean, I'm sure they're they're equally active, but, um, you know, I think Twitter is really nice because people can, can reference, uh, you know, talk to negative world a bit easier, I think with, um, hashtags and ads and all that stuff. But anyway, find us in some way and, uh, enjoy our conversation and join in, you know, enrich our conversations. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys have any last comments. No last comment, Andrew. Okay. You know I don't have a lesson. I know you don't, you bastard. All right. Well, then, uh, again, thanks, everyone, for listening, and thank you guys for joining me on the first of many episodes in 2014. You know, thanks for listening, and keep listening. Have a go. Bye-bye. <laughs>